right, so we're, the computer room is back. Um, depending on how I, I edit these, you may have already heard two new episodes, but um, my co-hosts keep getting jobs, and I like to have one, so I decided <laughs> to find someone who is at no risk of ever being employed. <laughs> <laughs> So Gia will be joining me permanently now. Um, and the, hopefully that ends my, my bad luck streak with. Yeah, <laughs> so. break the cycle. I mean, I the only fear I have is that a moid would screw up the dynamic, but probably not. I don't know. We're pretty. Nah. Every time we come together, we always make fire, Catherine. So it's, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're starting off uh, strong this week. There was. And there's an article in Wired that I feel like everyone keeps writing the same exact article. Oh, yeah. Um, everyone is a girl online. NPC influencers, girl dinner, angels, bimbos. The internet is a girl's world now, whether you like it or not. And I just, I had so many problems with this piece. Really? Eh? It like, yeah, because it was one of these pieces where, like, when I first came on my radar, I was like, oh, I'm just going to be, like, jealous that I didn't write this first. And then I wrote it. I mean, then I, I, sorry, then I read it, and I was like, um, I disagreed with every line, so. (laughs) Oh, my God, I had a more charitable take, but what what a way for you to have a, you know, to have a male co-host, the first article writing about young, you know, how everyone's a girl online, but. It just, I mean, it just feels like this is, this is just the, the piece of the year, um, and I, it's, it just, I mean, it just seems like such a bullshit take. It's like very catchy in a way, you know, like, yeah. uh, because girl blogging is, it, which has always existed. It's just been rebranded and got a cool name. You know, girl blogging is a thing that everyone needs to analyze now. I, I really do. You know what? I really do feel like, um, internet culture analysis is stuck because it's like, didn't we already go over this with Tavi Gevinson? You know, like, <laughs> We went over this ago. 10, yeah, 10, 11 years ago, <laughs> right, oh my god. And then, like, didn't we also go over it, like, in the 90s? Like, it, yeah. like our, you know, you, you cut them some slack for redoing it in the 2010s, because not many people were online in the 90s, or whatever, and then we get it again in the 2010s, and okay, so you have Rookie Mag, Tumblr, it's making sense, you know, more and more people are online, and then we get it again this year, and I don't know if it's just because Zoomers don't have like a long cultural memory and they're convinced that they've pioneered everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that's, that's a, that's a crazy, this, I'm going to go off on a tangent here and then I'll, I'll rein us back in. But my, my favorite is when Zoomers are like, oh, the 2014 Tumblr girl. And they get like really sort of pedantic about it. And they're like, this was my childhood. And it's like, my sisters in Christ, the culture that you're referring to peaked in 2013 and by 2014 was irrelevant like show me a receipt that this was happening in 2014 anyway so this article uh, before we get to that though what you had a really great point i think is that well two of them okay two one is that i mean you mentioned 1990s uh this is when the very first text-based images on the internet what did they display? A lot of it displayed anime girls because Japan, of course, took the sort of internet before even a lot of Westerners. And it was a very weird liminal space where the internet was still like male coded, which we'll get to before we spoil it. But the other point you made about like 
people like especially zoomers and again we're both crotchety millennials we're both more or less the same age actually i think we're exactly the same age Kath. <laughs> yes we are so, yeah yeah um so i think like with zoomers rediscovering things and claiming it their own i can't fault them because the online world has a like a weird way of like accelerating cultural amnesia you know this is like the, the graham hancock new age line of like, you know, oh, we don't remember the ancients because of culture amnesia, which is more or less true. But it seems in the internet age, there's an acceleration of it where generation to generation rather than century or even millennia to millennia tends to forget whole swaths of cultures that came before it. And I feel like internet time has largely done away with the notion of succinct moments between amnesia and remembering. Because now the remembering is, is fresh and new. It's almost like... Uh, it's almost like you know the theory cell it's almost like an eternal recurrence if you will of culture you know it's every generation every 10 years they come along and they say yes this is ours we invented it but actually you know i mean us millennials we had the you know and we we had like you know emo and scene kids and like you know the the trailing embers of whatever youth culture was to like the mtv generation you know the older millennial younger gen xers I mean, yeah, it was a different time, but I think even us millennials, we had that moment of like, we rediscovered this. We we discovered apathy, right? The, yeah. the Gen Xers did. We didn't, but we claimed that. We oh did. yeah, I mean, that's a crazy thing. Like so much shit that people blame on millennials. Like even boomers and Gen X will blame certain things on millennials, and it's like we stole that from Gen X. Like Gen X will be like, oh, you know, you guys did this, this, and this, and it's like. We didn't, we didn't start BuzzFeed. <laughs> we were too young. How old do you think we are? This, so that yeah. was, that was Gen X. <laughs> but at the same time, millennials do have this like weird consciousness of generationalism. Like it, something that my GF said to me once, she's like, Gio, um, you know, you talk about generations the way people talk about race or religion. And I go, well, yeah, maybe that's because, you know, cultural analysis, especially in the internet age, I mean, it just does that to you. But maybe it does. It's maybe it's meaningless in general. But there is something to be said that, again, like I have a lot of friends who are Zoomers. L listen, we love Zoomers. We love our Zoomers folks. But a lot of Zoomer trends basically is like a weird acceleration of the millennial in some ways. Oh yeah, totally. Um, even like Zoomer humor, the like very like nihilistic. Oh, it's so it's so surreal. What does it mean? It's like these people have never heard of YouTube poop, right? It's like. <laughs> It's not so much of it like isn't really that different. Oh yeah. Um, or like weird Facebook. It's just it's just <laughs> just amplified. And then and then like those things become weird cultural memories that beget that get screen capped or shared around and then there's this whole anthropology of it, like uh like the lost media thing. But yeah, anyways, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, so let's um should we i mean it's a short article should we read it or do you, i'm i'm terrible at summarizing things do you want to summarize it what should we how should we, we should read it we should we okay should the hard slog of actually reading it so okay um, um yeah all right i have it open i could i could jump right in i wish i actually looked up a little bit about the writer yeah. which i didn't at all i'm just i you know real quick i'm gonna see what all right so She's the author of Small Gods, a book on the terror and transcendence of drones, and investigates technologies of girlification at Girlstack. All right, so she has a 
She has a, a, a sub stack with nothing on it. All right. The girl stack. That's that's a, that sounds a good name though. Girl stack. That could be something. It, it is. I'm gonna subscribe. I no, but I like the visuals of it. I think like uh, before we begin. Okay, I think we should have a next a PSA warning. Okay, now um, I I'm quite a fan of like well, it's like anything you say in this territory is going to get you. But you know, I mean, I know a lot of people that are involved with Milady and Vermilia. And a lot of them are good people. A lot of them are good people. But, uh, you know, I mean, all the rumors and, and speculations and all that, and whether uh, it was a self-canceling thing as in our project. Um, like, to say, I mean, let's face it. They, they, you know, the particular person that, uh, you know, started it all, uh, whatever name you want to choose, uh, Charlotte Fang, uh, Maya, uh, there was a lot of interesting things there. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. But, um... And so this isn't like an attack on Milady, of course. But I think that, you know, I mean, uh, not to say we endorse any certain things, but like, uh, it's, I take a purely objective stance to say that it's a very interesting revival of um, art in the internet age that isn't exactly the pessimistic tone of, say, post-internet art. And I think it's very interesting how art, gets taken up in the internet age as a, a total work to the point of creating an avatar or an altar of identity and of being. And the whole like talk about network spirituality is quite fascinating. Uh, you know, and, and like, I think we shouldn't uh, venture too much into like the nitty gritty of like what people think of Romelia or Milady makers or whatever. I think, you know, it's like, I forget who tweeted this. I think it was a friend of mine who's has a Milady avatar that says, you know, every, every like few months, some tech writer discovers that Milady was started by like, you know, esoteric racism. And it's like, it becomes the same hit piece over and over again. So, um, I don't know. What are your it's thoughts a, on that, Kath? Would you... <laughs> um, I mean, look, the internet is a, is a flawed place. And I think like you have to, you have to separate the art from the artist. Yeah. I mean, otherwise you're, you're throwing out so much interesting culture, so much interesting, right? Cause it's just, it, the nature of success online, you have to be degenerate. I just like, <laughs> it just is, and you know, I, I don't know how much of the Romelia stuff is true, but like, even assuming all of it is, it still was, a, you know, a successful meme, right? right? And we can't, we can't be in denial of that. And it's also not a moral failure for people who weren't aware yes. to, have part, or even who were just attracted to it. And they, you know, it's, it, 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 it's not an endorsement of pedophilia to like miladies, which is maybe like a controversial thing <laughs> yeah. uh, to say. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I will, I will say this, like, you know, that that type of art and that type of representation, you see it's, you had the, the kiss dolls in the nineties and you had the palace with dolls with the Z, the dolls with the Z became their own sort of universe. And then miladies is just in that tradition. It's always, it's always been, it's that type of avatar has always worked. Yeah, I mean, it was very smart in that way. Um, but anyway, uh, strong anti-pedophile stance over here. Um, but let's no, of course, and and then there's people that are in Milady, like for example, her good friend Verse that said that that was like, you know, a that in itself was part of the project. I and mean, whether you want to believe it or not, that's you know, 
But anyways, yeah. I don't, you know, I, I don't think it was that self I, I I think people are going to want to reinvent themselves. Oh, Some people course. are better at than others. Yeah. But all right. So without, without further ado, here's a, the wired piece. Um, should we, I read a paragraph, you read a paragraph yeah, sure. or should I just, okay. What do you mean my actions have consequences? I'm literally just a girl. This year, your feet has likely been blessed by the avatars of machinic girlhood, angels, bimbos, and the collective entity of girls, divine creatures who have transcended earthly bodies, curiously evacuated of anger, pain, attachment, who have nonetheless become wildly popular on every social platform. Which is to say that while angels and girls have existed since time immemorial, and bimbos as we know them since at least the 1980s, it's only recently that they've become a bit, floating away from history and into mimetic shorthand. Whether it's the girl in the girl dinner or the angels spied in Bella Hadid's carousel, they appear as perfected conduits for collective consciousness. She's just like me for real. As for man, once king of the online condition, hit him with your car, says head bimbo Chrissy Chlapeka with heavenly vocal fry to the tune of 4 million TikTok hearts. It's a girl's world now. We're just living in it. Whoa. You told me about this uh, Chrissy person. Uh, yeah, I I, I I wrote about her a couple of years ago. Um, I, I think I titled the article The Rise of the Female to Female Transsexual. <laughs> oh, yeah, she really appreciated that for her call. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, let's maybe let's read and then and then analyze. Okay. You know, it's a sort of a heavy piece. So let's, you know, maybe yeah. let's do it by a bit. I, so, I mean, just off the, the bat, I kind of disagreed with this writer because like internet girlhood feels, you know, quite old, right? Like, mm-hmm. and we discussed at the top of the show, it, it peaks in 2012 when preliminary materials for a theory of a young girl but is, I think, yeah, is translated into English. And this is like, this dovetails with, you have Rookie Mag, which was started by Tavi Gevinson. If you don't know who Tavi Gevinson is, she was a, she was a blogger who got flown out to Fashion Week when she was like eight years old. She had a blog spot. And then she starts Rookie Mag, which is supposed to be like a reimagining of 90s, you know, girl, girl, girl mags, not girly mags, but magazines for, for young women, like mm-hmm. Sassy, and, you know, what have you. Um, and this is also when Tumblr is at peak popularity. So you have the, you already have this notion of like the nymphette, um, the sort of Lana Del Rey, her career is actually really flourishing now. I know a lot of people for whatever reason think that it's much later, 2017, totally incorrect. Um, this idea that like girlhood is somehow of this, of the present moment, I think is just like, I mean, for a, this writer is very insightful, very talented writer, but for someone who their whole beat is the girlification of technology, I'm like, what the, like, what about the last, I don't know, 30 years of, of internet? What are you, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. But, but I wonder though, I mean, the, the, the girl on the internet, like the internet was very much in some respect male coded but an androgynous space in terms of pure posting. But I think that to separate the sort of fetishism that comes from the young girl when it comes to like male posters, a lot of anime culture, let's face it, is sort of like this. A lot of women posters, I'm talking like, you know, I know it's passe to say biological woman, but 
biologically, you know, biological women, they could sort of like slip into a form of imperceptibility by embracing in a weird, like inverted way, what the aesthetics and the posting style of a young girl is, even though they were coming off as male coded because of the nature of the internet. There's always something where the internet is sort of like a, a womb of the anima, you know, to use our good friend meme analysis, you know, his concept of the digital anima. Uh, and like the, the, right off the bat, the first, the first word here, what do you mean? My actions have consequences. I'm literally just a girl. Now you could take that either way. Now you could say that, um, the presentation of a lot of aesthetics of say, you know, post Tumblr, ethereal girl, bimbo core, whatever, that that has a sort of playing by playing of innocence. But as we know from Tukon, right? Like I, I know I'm not pronouncing the name correctly, but you know, the, the e-girl, the, the young girl is an image template. You know, even like women in their thirties have this sort of like, I'm just an innocent little girl type of thing going on. But also I think it's a recognition of, I wouldn't say immaturity, but a sort of like longing for innocence that is present within the internet that is then later corrupted by, and this article will get into it, the mass marketization of the image of the young girl. So the young girl is like this weird space. I would say young boys as well. Of course, nowadays, uh, you know, let's say the male-driven discourse of certain parts of the E-right, they have the term sensitive young men. You know, the sensitive young man is also a, liminal, a liminality of like, you're not reaching your potential yet, but you will. But you're also like in this weird space where you're discovering your own, you know, your own like sort of mortal legs, if you will. The young girl, like you were saying, very early on in the internet becomes this like weird, almost like image of worship that is like not fully realized into femininity, but it's like a, a, a femininity that is like in situ that is like in utero that's yet to be realized, but yet like, you know, like I say, you have like 30 plus year old e-girls that have the aesthetics of young girls, which is very, very fascinating. It's eternally young and eternally old at the same time. It's, well, it's you know, unburdened, right? Like yeah. I think that's, yeah. and that's something that this article misses, right? You know, what be, what comes before the mother, the maiden, it's this perpetual yeah. maidenhood. Right, like the, the mate, the, she, because she can be, at least, you know, she can be the most fashionable. She can be, um, you know, she she de she doesn't have responsibilities. She's sweet. She's innocent. And you can sort of linger in things that I, I you know, a mother can't really, right? Yeah. Like uh, so many of the images that are we're attracted to online, toys, dolls, um, stillness. I think there's also an element of like explicitly like infertility or oh, like, yeah. Um, you know, there is, there's a sexualization there, but you know, you don't impregnate the young girl, right? right? Then, and I think that's to go back to like sensitive young men, they're, they're, they're attracted to like the pure anime girl. Mm -hmm. It's, there's something to it. Like she's unsullied. She's untouched. The NPC is also infertile. All of these right. images of, of womanhood are, are infertile. It's not that they... Uh, or anorexia is sort of another aspect of that. Well, and we um, know anorexia is correlated with infertility as well. So right. So there's there's something about it where it's like you you're at no risk of moving on to the next phase of your life, and it's weird that I feel like the discourse like misses that a lot. Mm -hmm. Like it's about not re it's about not reproducing yourself. Yeah, 
Well, I don't know. I've seen some weird images of Megumin and uh, there's oh, other, sure. <laughs> you know, there's other, like, let's, let's not kid ourselves. We've all seen some pretty hairy stuff in the internet, but you know, yeah, I, that's the, the analysis part is largely correct. And that's great. You point that out that the young girl has implied a form of like pre-fertility or infertility right. that then gets carried on into like well into adulthood, um, which I mean, yeah. says a lot. And I think that's the, you know, that's the attraction of eating disorders in a lot of, in a lot of ways. It's not, it's not just being thin and being thin is attractive and it's a rebellion against, you know, the, uh, you know, supposedly ubiquitous fatness of our age. It's that the, the anorexic woman um, or the anorexic e-girl lost her period and she's not sullied by womanhood. Well, let me ask you though. Okay, I want I've wanted to know this because I think you okay. you know you've you've done a lot of this research. Not that I want to know this as like a fetish. I mean, like no, I mean like purely <laughs> intellectual curiosity. Because I don't think now when I say intellectual curiosity, I mean like I'm I'm sort of now I really respect her work, but you know Naomi Wolf had the the book The Beauty Industry back in the nineties. The now, beauty myth. The beauty myth. The beauty myth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think that. The beauty myth when it comes to, let's say, Gen Xers and older millennials where women, you know, young girls adopt eating disorders because they have sort of a social picture of beauty that they can never sort of adhere to. I think, now I could be wrong, that it's not necessarily the standards of, let's say, a male gaze driven beauty industry. I mean, that's complicated because like the men within the beauty industry, I mean... Well, without saying sure, they're gay, they're gay, they're gay. Thank you, Catherine. They're they're gay. Gay. You know, <laughs> I didn't want to say it. I wanted to allude to it, but you know, yeah, they're gay, they're gay. So, um, but I think like maybe in the 1980s, you could say that yes, this was correct. Even up until the 90s, you could say that, you know, even though there was like a growing alternative culture of young women who embrace, and you know, by the way, there was that in the 60s. There was Janis Joplin, right? Uh, but in the 90s, you have like that you know, all girl, hipster girl that didn't necessarily conform to like the beauty standards of American apparel advertisements or Abercrombie and Finch. Right. But I think nowadays, like from what I see is more that eating disorders are a product of aesthetics and beauty standards that women impose on themselves. Or is it more of like, I have to conform to a male depiction of what beauty is. I'm, I'm curious about that, Catherine. I wonder. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a combination. People always shit on me for this take, but mm. you know, in very wealthy communities, being thin is essential. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it, you just, it's, I don't know if it's because it takes a lot of discipline, if it's a status thing, yeah. but, um, it's, it's currency. Um, so I think if you are very wealthy and I mean like very, like, true wealth not like some some guy makes 100k a year but i mean like i'm talking millions and even billions of dollars it, it, then yeah and you're exposed to that on a regular basis you're in the nightlife scene or you're um you're surrounded by models then yes mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's it's probably ma- the male gaze in a lot of ways um in other situations i i think i mean it's, it's an interesting fetish right mm-hmm. to like specifically want thin women like this i i notice it's very common in um you know men who are on the online far right 
Um, and this is just, a, this isn't like a personal experience thing. This is just a easily observable. If well, it you're depends, ever in those but kind yeah, of spaces. finish your point. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it kind of goes back to, I think there's, it's, it's rebellion. Um, I think it's, it, you know, it is a little bit about that. The, there's a purity aspect yeah. to it. Um, you know, and, and I'm talking about women who are simply, it's not, not fat. I mean, it's like just being very, very thin. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're in those spaces, I can see, and for whatever reason, you know, you want, you only want to date like an internet neo-Nazi, then maybe again, it's like, you're, it's like whatever. Um, so yeah, who, you know, whoever that woman is, but, but at the same time, it's weird because I've noticed like pro anorexia spaces. Like if you chart it from like forums to Tumblr to like EdTwit, it, they've become so much more sexualized and like yeah. the body changing and the selfies that people take is like, it used to clearly be like, I am actually charting my progress. This is for myself, or this is for other women who are in a similar situation, not even competition, but now they all seem very sexual and it does feel like a sexual thing. And I can't tell if it's like they're competing with other women and there's a sexual element to it, or there's an imaginary male audience, like to whom this is supposed to appeal. Mm. Very interesting. But I, I don't know, I think like, but then a lot of like pro Anna spaces, don't they correlate with like, I don't know if they, do they correlate with rad femmes at all? Or that's more, that's different. No, they, I mean, it, it, it's, I think sometimes, I think there's definitely like a faction that's like sort of um, like voluntary femme cell. There are oh. some rad femmes and, but there's a lot of them where it's like, they, they're almost a little bit reactionary, even if oh, you're yeah. not part of that ecosystem. Um, and, you know, I'm saying all this and this, and one caveat, I'm talking about the present moment. Um, I, I do, I am extremely aware that in the early 2000s, ranch culture had a very yeah. unforgiving standards. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Jessica, Jessica Simpson was considered obese and so on and so forth, but, um, she looked that's... pretty good when she was like, quote unquote fat for the standards of the yeah. early 2000s. Yeah. 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 But I mean, that, that's, I think, I, I think it's fair to say that those, those standards are now 20 years old and it's not fair to say that we're living in, in that culture. Yeah. I think like, well, you bring up like, there definitely is like the, the right wing aesthetic poster that has this like obsession with like largely very thin Mediterranean women. Right. I mean, there is, I do notice that there is a counter movement uh, spearheaded by uh, people like land sharks, uh, myself, um, you know, um, <laughs> Renew Fall to Addy Muncher, like there is sort of a um, a reimagining of women who are of a particular body type, but not necessarily like quote unquote fat in the way that we you know picture right wing discourse bombing on, which is like usually very unshapely quote unquote longhouse mother of Eden Savolendorf, and I think yeah that is a rejection of it. I mean. from what I can gather, a lot of the Tumblr anorexia stuff that was like very insular and didn't have contact with like a lot of the, you know, the right wing politics that would be born later. But nowadays, definitely, like, I think there probably is some e-girls that are starving themselves because they want to, uh, you know, attract incels and uh, sensitive young men uh, from the, I, I, from the you, right. You know what? And how could, and, you know, we'd also be remiss not to mention um the don't the, mention names calf please god don't <laughs> no 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 i'm talking about trends here and i was gonna say this is gonna be a second episode i bring this up but yeah. there was a moment in the alt-right where it's like 
femboys were kind of okay. Oh, and yeah, there, yeah, there was, yeah. And, I, I, you know, how much of, I wonder how much of the sort of, like, wayfish e-girl is actually a callback mm. to the, the femboy. Um, Interesting. And, yeah, and I think, I, the, we don't have to totally get into that, but I think that's maybe worth bookmarking. For another <laughs> time, yeah, for, no, for another episode, <laughs> for exactly. another episode, <laughs> Very interesting. Um, right, I know I know there was some elements there. I know that uh Angela Nagel, our good friend, uh you know, she talked about this with uh with Milo and the Twinks for Trump gallery. And uh there yeah. is like a weird return to. I mean, did you uh, by uh, did you see that that art show, The Long House by what's her name? Oh, Lena Feles? Yeah, the I mean, wonder show? if we should get her on the show. Cause like, yeah, yeah. I met her this summer and, um, yeah, she's very sweet. That one image from it. I, I, I could ask her for permission, not, but you know, I wanted to paint it because I had this like painting I wanted to do for a long time where it was that verse from the hollowed men about like being on the edge of the Tumid river. And I saw that picture of like those E girls like you know crawling over each other in the mud i'm like yes that's the image that's the image i have to paint that so who knows maybe in the future we'll see what happens but no i thought that was a very interesting like aesthetic crescendo into like the trends that are like wink wink nod nod towards the e-right but also like having this like post tumblr fashion show type of thing that's very like there was a great review i forget the author but he uh, uh I, i'm piecing on it but if you go if you go to Last Things, sorry, First Things, First Things Magazine. Not, not my good friend, Austin. Oh, oh, Justin, Justin Just, Lee's piece. Yeah, great piece, great piece. I loved it. Um, and he talked about like the mythological themes on it. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend that one. Whatever you may feel about the particular e girls that were in this fashion show, of course, let's of course let's bracket that. But you know, I think that it was a great experiment. It was a great, and and the fact the Passage Prize, my friend Lomez was mentioned in it, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's there's something happening there, but I think that I would say that there should be a, a word of caution in terms of like taking up certain trends from the internet and placing them within a fashion or a fine art context. There's always that uh, I wouldn't say danger. Well, yeah, it doesn't yeah, always it doesn't always translate. Um, yeah, that's the difficulty. I think it could be it, because something could be like brilliant if you know the history and then if yeah. you don't you miss something important about the story that it's trying to tell exactly yeah well to segue into it like milady like milady yeah so should i read the next chapter um yeah or the next paragraph uh, oh, sorry right, next yeah, paragraph. Start, <laughs> i'm thinking starting, in terms of my book that i'm writing so it's just like yeah starting at memes yeah yeah memes obviously don't come out oh sorry memes obviously don't come out of nowhere the angel bimbo girl swarm gives voice to something collectively experienced and soon to be historical. A kind of subconscious uh, metabolization of recent events into a general disassociated vibe. Me metabolic activity and vibe, that's very important. Maybe you too are a side character in the story that supposedly ends all stories. The emergence of the post-political delivering a smooth and tranquilized subjectivity so dispersed that it feels nothing and has moved to no action in spite of the real delivering destruction to despite the real delivering destruction to their door the rise of the quote npc influencer smiling spiritually lobotomized 
fine-tuned for an increasingly instinctive response to live cash stimulus is the end game for all that terrifies people about digital culture and how it affects human minds. Be not afraid of this other type of angel. The super-evolved, brainless doll slurping dollar-pegged ice cream at the end of the infinite scroll. Wow. That, that's <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, there's tons of video essays that have gone up about the, uh, you know, you know, gang gang, mm, ice cream good, you know, like the, the NPC streamer. But, yeah. That's, yeah, I... Yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> it's wild to me that it took that long for it to reach public consciousness because I yeah. feel like the NPC is just, I mean, we've been tracking it all along. I mean, like, I actually think it's like more than like all women are, you know, lobotomized or machinic. It's it's like the end goal of the woman online is to be an anime girl. Sort of <laughs> well, Elon Isn't Musk so has proven this with uh, Amber. Sure. Hill, you know? yeah. She looks good. <laughs> yeah she, she did good. look good i mean she looked kind of forced and like let's face it that photo did look like you know she was embarrassed but um yeah apparently she wants to sue him for releasing this photo i mean it did it did her some it gave her some fans of you know among people that criticized her for take for trying to take down johnny depp but you know i mean yeah it's... i so <laughs> another sort of immediate response i had to this and it sort of and she mentions bimbofication later in the piece. Yeah. Um, is I wonder also if like the NPC meme and bimbofication, which is um, again for people who don't know, it's a type of um, pornography where you either you either experience this through like hypnosis and audio, or you watch a video of someone else going through this where they're feminized and they're um, you know more they're they're turned into bimbos usually usually men but sometimes women um i wonder if it's like counterintuitively actually a, a desire for embodiment mm -hmm. um because it's it's telling you what to do what to feel in an environment where one there's no physical sex partner right, right. and then two where it's so easy to become sedated so when you're given instructions to move in a certain way it's actually like, it seems like you're further sedating yourself, but actually it's putting you back in your body in this different kind of way. Yeah. And I, I, I wonder if that's, if that, if it's less about, oh, I'm, I'm dissociating even more and more like, this is the only way I know how to relate to myself at this point. Yeah, it's a double articulation of being where, yeah, like, you know, like you said, like you're putting yourself back into physical presence but in a way that does come off as very like mediated by something else and machinic. But in a way it's like, I think from what I, from what I can gather by reading a lot of like, you know, think pieces on it is that like the bimbo thing is a way of harnessing what was typically, you know, I know it's a meme term and in a lot of ways, Berger, you know, didn't exactly capture it, but like that's for, for brevity's sake, the male gaze, it's a way of sort of like harnessing the, the aesthetic behavior comportment of women towards the male gaze by like taking it back and doing like this reverse discourse thing where they like embrace an accelerated version of like what the bimbo looks like. And so instead of playing to a male audience, it's rather, you know, women embracing their own femininity in a way that comes off as very like stereotypically 
male gazy. But but then there's problems with that because like when it comes to this sort of stuff where a woman becomes very like lathe to to the point of comatose or or machinic or very like ethereal and not even there. I mean, yes, there is in some very odd ways, you know, there's precedent for this in terms of like, you know, spiritual practices and so forth. But when it comes to like the medium of the internet, I mean, that does open, it opens yourself up to a form of inner exploitation rather than all exploitation. And I feel like, you know, to put feminist critique hat on for a moment, that is a problem with a lot of this type of stuff because it's an aesthetics of inactivity and giving oneself over to an activity for the young woman. And I think like you can put a positive spin on it, but you know, I mean, a rad femme would say, yeah. that, no, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, with the, with the eating disorder stuff in particularly yeah. in particular, and uh, you know, a lot of the images of angels and etherealness mm -hmm. to me, that is more than bimbofication or the NPC meme. Uh, that is death. I mean, it's, it's, it's a way of engaging. It's, mm. it's, an image of suicide or decay well it's an there's an androgyny to it as well there's yeah i mean there's sort of divinity through mortification if you will you know yeah um, oh sorry i cut you off Catherine. What, what were you gonna say no no shit all right so do we did we are we good on this pair should we move no, on to the oh, next? Bef oh before we go before we go to the next one disassociative vibe that metab oh, yeah. metabolization of everything into the vibes. I mean, I, re I read about this in my book, but you, you, you have a lot of thoughts on the, that, yeah. yeah that, but by the way, the one, the one vibe, sh I got, listen, not to call anybody out, but like that one vibe shift article on the cut was like atrocious. I hated it, but that's which one, the one of like, it wasn't like the original one, the vibe shift is coming. It was the one that the cut like commented on. And there was like some guardian writer as well that tried to put like, uh, like a radical liberal spin on it but like that's my own personal critique uh but you know the vibe thing is very interesting how um it's sort of like to me it's like lending a space towards like sentiment and even like quasi-spiritualistic feelings in the age of like mass materialism and disenchantment but like you have a lot of thought you've written about the vibe shift thing so you you go ahead yeah yeah, no, I mean, I've, 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 so I've written about the vibe shift. I've written about vibe sort of more generally. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think there's, there's two ways to look at it. Like one, the attraction to vibes is we, there's so much pressure to articulate everything yeah. that this going based on feeling um, has its own attraction to it. And then the, like secondarily, we're not experiencing things in the same way. Like for like the example I love to give is like, you know, I've never said I'm Italian because if I say I'm Italian, it doesn't really describe my experience in the world. I mean, it kind of does. I'm being a little hard on myself, but it's like, you know, I don't really speak the language. I don't live in the country that my interactions with the cultural diaspora stopped when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old. It would be, it feels like a lie. Yeah. Right. But a lot of people, they have this attraction to like Italianness or Latinness or sometimes with their sexuality, like being a lesbian that is actually divorced from the experience of being any of those things. And it's like, there's, it's really just the vibe. They, they yeah. have an affinity to the vibe. And I feel like we've gone from labeling, our, labeling ourselves based on experience or something that 
is easily observable within ourselves. Like, um, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a white woman with, with brown hair and blue eyes, right? Like that's, you know, you know, as opposed to an experience, an experience, um, to just something that we feel attracted to. So to be a lesbian no longer means I, I experience same sex attraction, you know, to, to women. And that, and that is my sexual orientation. It's like, you must also like have a certain haircut, have certain politics. And this is what the word queer was supposed to do, but it's right. like all of homosexuality is now queered. And, but really this is how, this is our whole experience of identity now. It's like, what do we have an affinity towards? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think like, like I said, it's, it's a way of expressing, it's a way of getting at depth that is at, at surface level and in a way is permissible than what I think like even 10 or 15 years before wouldn't, wouldn't have been in, in a weird way. Uh, you know, I mean, when, especially when it comes to spirituality, like the, the thing about like crystals and witch and Wicca, like it, but then also like, I think the way people talk about vibes, it's almost like as if there is a mass consciousness that is just beneath the surface and they don't articulate it that way. Because of course, like, I mean, the average like think piece writer that talks about vibes, they're not exactly reading like, you know, the, you know, <laughs> the workings of logic by Hegel, but like there, there definitely is something there in that becomes absolutized. And I know people are talking about this, like in the post Covidian era, that like people are like there's like almost like a sense of nihilism or there's a sense of like irreverence for things and it's like people are you know getting to be more expressive and blah 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 like i don't think that's particularly true but i do notice that there is sort of more of a uh cavalier sort of laid back approach to life in some ways but then in some ways people are crazier than others so you can never quite tell but the vibe shift well is, i mean uh, it's uh i think part of it is we have a real allergy to boundaries yeah in a lot of yeah. ways and it comes out in these weird ways i mean this has been it, this is a dead horse at this point but like masks are sort of like one way to reassert that control yeah right but yeah. And, but no one wants to no one wants to gatekeep where you you really need to be gatekeeping and then so it's like a free-for-all with identity um, or at least, you know, I think that might actually be changed. That's part of the the vibe shift, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's and that's where you get this like, well, everything is defined by this nebulous affinity, um, because any kind of boundary, any kind of no, any kind of gatekeeping is seen as um, you know somehow like unequal or not like sufficiently egalitarian. Yeah, I mean, I remember. You know, when I was in, in high school, and this really wasn't like that long ago, um, if you said you, like, even then, right, and this is right when, like, you know, bisexuality was sort of taking off, um, yeah. and it was sort of, a, it was like a trend almost, it was like, but if you, like, went to, like, the Gay Straight Alliance, for example, I'm really dating myself, but um, <laughs> you said, I'm gay, I'm bisexual, and you had, and you, it did not describe your experience and you didn't, and you seemed like you were just there because the label, for whatever reason, like made you seem more emo or seen or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you were laughed out of the room. They're like, we're if, like, do you do you eat box or not? Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or like, do you have a desire to? That's Private, for whatever do you reason. Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you can't you can't do that now. You could be in a you know a heterosexual relationship, and if you're a lesbian, right, then you're a then fine that's your 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 gender conforming male husband is your wife 
And it's, I mean, yeah. it sounds ridiculous, but it's really that it's that on the nose. Um, well, no, but anyway. you know, that came up recently. I mean, they're, they're like, you're talking about lack of boundaries, like the stuff that people post, even people that have like professional presences, like they treat Twitter, like LinkedIn, like there was this one guy, um, he got like absolutely bombed. Right. Like, I, I think I even posted something about it where he talked about how his wife left him and they have three children because she discovered that she was. A oh lesbian. yeah. 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 And like, you know, and he's like posting photos of them and she kind of does look like, you know, she's the one that she's in like the equal relationship, uh, you know, all the stuff that like right wing people on Twitter make fun of. Uh, but it's, in a way, it's like posting about like how, you know, we're still friends and we're co-parenting. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's not just that you suffer humiliation, but there are certain things that people do together. There's certain sentiments that probably shouldn't be blasted out into the world. That probably shouldn't yeah. be. And, you know, some sometimes even things that are purely innocent. Like there was this one woman... Um, who and I, I had this tweet that actually took off. I actually was quite worried because apparently, like Black Twitter found it. It was in an approving way because I, I was kind of eloquent with it. Where this woman's like, you know, with her boyfriend, um, like talking about like some love tingles or whatever, and it's like, you know, and she got like, like brutally ratioed for this. It's just some silly, stupid thing that lovers do that everyone does. But I said that. You know, it's it's a tragedy that people like the, the gaze of the other perpetually stamp like tramples upon voyeuristically these type of little silly things that lovers do in private. And at the end of the day, maybe people should best leave things to mystery, right? I mean, that's the big problem, I think, is that it's not that you you know, that you know, and there are some people that were like basically, you know, posting like she you know, she she she'll like learn her lesson. And, you know, this, and she was this video where she's crying about it. And it's like, yeah, you know, there you go. She deserves it. But, you know, I, that's not my thought. I just think that it's a tragedy, but it's a necessity that there should be a resensitization to things that are posted, right? Now, the guy that talks about, like, his lesbian ex-wife, I have no sympathy for him. He should just keep that sure. in private. And it's like, why risk getting, like, you know, ratioed by anime accounts and Graper accounts? And, you I know, mean, it's, it was you know, just weird. It, I mean... It, I don't know why he had to post like a press release about it. Cause it, <laughs> yeah, it was press release about it. About it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I'm not, you know, like our, our, our mutual friend, Mary Harrington is really into this idea of the digital hijab, like don't share your personal experience online. And I think she takes it a little bit too far. Oh, like yeah. there is something nice about sincerity and like, there is something very validating about oh, 100%. experience. 100%. Right. But then there's like, sharing it to you know to sell something or sharing it just like because you're compulsively confessing i yeah. don't like what, what what's the point yeah exactly and it's a violation i think of those relationships that you have like there's people that let's face it i mean there's people like on youtube like the, the mommy blogger really started this then the mommy vlogger where the the life of their children is sort of like transcribed forever on the internet by like posting it out there on YouTube and making money. And there was this one recently that I believe she, uh, she caught a like a family court case, 
because she was like driving her kids to do this like you know borderline abusive things on camera and it's like you know there's there's something about it that like there's no space of sacredness left of like one's own personal life and like you said like to treat it like a press release i think that's a great term for it because it's like everything yeah. becomes like public you know distribution I mean, I, I, you know as i the older i get the less i understand the mommy blogger thing or the mommy blogger like i you know i don't know that i would announce a pregnancy forget posting a picture of my infant yeah. and then through their childhood it just feels like like my i mean maybe it's just my own personal community like my a-logs are fucking crazy and like i don't want to <laughs> but I, I think even if they weren't like even if there's something even about like the positive like the congratulations even if it's totally well-meaning it feels like a violation too hmm. yeah yeah i mean well but if you have a lot of a-logs then it's probably best to yeah yeah that's there's yeah, there's no the, i mean people people don't know it don't really they make they make up fan fiction about my personal life but it's like there's just no fucking way <laughs> <laughs> like, make, make it up you know <laughs> okay let's move on now let's let, let's yeah. rein it in a little bit let's move right. on oh. haters will say that the girl has no access to individual agency and political autonomy and is therefore an enemy of serious activism or seriousness at all. Lovers will reply that the girl is simply emptied of traditional humanist traits to make room for something else. She is closely networked with other minds, with an intelligence that is intuitive, cunning, sophistic and sophisticated, yet maligned and dismissed because it is little understood. In the post-platform economy, it is not just a question of wanting to be a girl as ironic posture or fun reality. The, the fact of the matter is that everyone has to be a girl online, even in everyone that is not exactly human. As user Heartlocket tweeted, all, L all LLMs are girls. I don't make the rules, but why is that? To answer that question, we first have to answer what, what are girls? Uh, let's, and let's maybe go to the next paragraph. Yeah, yeah. I understand that I have to get you, the reader, to accept girl as a condition. As a term, girl is polarizing, feared for how tightly it connects youth and desire, reviled for its infantilizing, passivity-inducing properties. On the face of it, girlishness is simply dismissed as being frivolous, immature, unmasculine, disempowering, reductive. At worst, the girl is an apolitical neutralizer of direct action. At best, she is simply enjoying herself with the junk society has given her. In either state, harmless or neutralizing, hedonic or willfully ignorant, the girl becomes an attractor of hatred, envy, and fear. As opposed to mainstream narratives of female empowerment and their sliding scale of access to power and resources, the girl is a far more politically ambivalent state. Very interesting. Very interesting. Do you have, oh, so you go ahead, Catherine. What, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I, to me, I just, I don't understand what is specific to girlhood. I guess, I guess there's something about appearance there but it seems like what what everyone's really reaching for when they t discuss i'm just a girl or like the internet girl is this state of like childishness mm -hmm. that i actually think really is reflected in male influencers too it's just that um they like catch more flack or something yeah you know like i like i don't understand how you know at a certain time um logan paul or like the the paul brothers together i don't i don't totally remember how they were 
creating vlogs, but like, how are they not just like little boys, right? Like they're, right. they're children. Um, the, the jackass guys, even before the internet, like that's sort of a state of child, right? Like it's, it's, I don't, I don't really know what's so different about that and the, the political ambivalence of the girl. Well, you know, this is my territory because, uh, of course, like, you know, Logan Paul being a pro wrestler, um, I, I didn't believe the skills he had. He could do a pretty good Muda Moonsault, but, you he know. He really branded. Yeah, yeah, he really grabbed onto it. I, well, because, like, you know, the way it works at WWE, like, the Performance Center, they they put you in the mold, and they, like, you know, especially with someone like Logan Paul, they'll, like, make sure that he has, like, every resource to accelerate. Um but, you know, I think, like, you know, early 2000s chud culture, like, that's where I come from, you know? Like, pro wrestling was good. New metal. X Games. MTV. Like, it's, you know, the young boy, the young man was, like, celebrated for the last time in, I would say, Western history. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it was very childish. It was very juvenile. It was very, like, you know, you'd have, like, porn stars at the video game awards. You had Jackass. You had all of these, like, cultural baubles that like celebrated extremism and violence and you could like download death matches on the internet and you could like go to concerts and you could like you know like woodstock 99 uh, i always bring this up like at the end like you know those pitchwork writers that did the hit piece on woodstock 99 they like juxtaposed coachella which was like the early 90s you know liberal and friendly and progressive and lgbt friendly and you know the chuds that were a part of what's the, and then the, the, the last part was um what happened to all those angry young white men they went in the internet and they voted for trump so it's like, you know um but there was in a way i think before chud culture became political after gamergate even um there is sort of like an innocence within brutality and extremism and and uh you know what would you say the popification of violence and gratuitous sexuality that only a young boy in the early 2000s could really love, you know, mall rats, um, you know, I, yeah, you know, there's slipknot in the background while you're, you know, there's a, yeah, no, I, I actually, I wrote an article about this, um, a couple of years ago, like where did the sophomoric male go? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. could you, could you release like, what's my age again today okay. and have it resonate with anyone? Right. Yeah. I, there's everyone was always streaking and playing pranks and stuff. Uh, but, you know, I don't see, and there's, uh, there's vestiges of that that still exist. And I, and I think that it, that aren't political, right? right? And I think you do see it in someone like a Logan Paul. Um, and it, it just feels like it's not, it's not specific to girlhood or womanhood. And I almost feel like this is a false category mm -hmm. that keeps getting set, that keeps getting set up. Um, like, and I, I don't, I don't know. It just feels like everyone sort of goes along with it. But what were um, young girls doing in the early 2000s when the culture was... Well, there was culture geared towards them, but I guess, sure. like, my own bias being, you know, a sensitive young man at the time. Uh, like, what were young girls doing in the early 2000s? They were, you know... They were, um, they were anorexic. They, <laughs> they wanted to pose for Playboy or be on reality TV. Um, there was... A, a little bit before that, you had, like, the girl power of the late 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and then who, you know, who can forget there is the Paris Hilton sort of that's hot bimbo, you know, the yeah. simple life. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot of options for. <laughs> Maybe some of that culture did deserve to die, but like we need yeah. to, listen, we need to bring back new metal. We need back 
Creed. We need to bring, wrestling needs to be good again. Um, you know, yeah, so it's coming back. It is coming Maybe back. Is. Oh yeah, yeah. I noticed Creed is is doing better. Like among there's weird because like I, I talked about this once with Turkey Tom. Like there's Zoomers that listen to like Creed and Baking, Breaking Benjamin and Deftones. So that is a positive development. But in terms of like girl culture, yeah, maybe that stuff should have died. Who knows? Like again, this is shocking for me to say this as a terrible right winger, but like, yeah, a lot of that stuff kind of was, yeah, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a positive. But then I guess like it was juxtaposed to like the other extreme of like that late nineties form of like, you know, riot girl empowerment. So yeah, and I mean, it also was really complementary to the the sophomoric male that we're describing. Oh yeah, like Definitely. who is the perfect partner for you know the the frontman of or in this case like literally like the drummer of Blink One Eighty Two who's streaking and playing pranks and whatever. It's like some big tit bimbo porn star is a reality TV show, and that was <laughs> you know those were the. Those yeah. were the two genders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's like Evan Seinfeld from uh, from Biohazard. He, uh, you know, he married a few porn stars, and he was on Oz. That was a great show. But um, yeah, we're we're taking a trip down memory lane. So I think let's let's uh no, but yeah. So I understand. So yeah, the the young girl is apolitical. I mean, is that really true anymore? I don't feel like I also, right. I also don't think it's yeah. it's. I mean, I I almost feel like they set that up so people can constantly like prove it wrong, right? You know, like so they they have the space to say, well, here here's how it's um it's actually very political, yeah. And I and yeah. there's like yeah. a whole um there's like I feel like there's a a whole cohort of like you know twenty two twenty one to like maybe twenty eight year old like hot girl culture yeah. critics right now who are like they're like leftists and there's sort of like the self-critical leftism and they almost exist to be like well this is how this sort of like tiktok bimbo feminism is actually like deeply political like the lobotomy as a political act and not, you know it's it's not disempowered it's a very weird sort of form well, of criticism that is all over press- substack well is there any names that or you don't want to name names uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's more of like a general, it's a, just sort of a general thing. Like I would say, I would, I, I would even guess, right. Like the author of this wired piece, mm-hmm. it, when she updates her Substack, like may go on to, to, to publish these types of pieces where it's like, here's how like girl dinner, you know, like here, like here are all the like esoteric meanings and how it's like disempowering while being empowering it's, you know some weird labyrinth what, what is the girl dinner thing enlighten me on this one i've i've seen this but what is it right so the girl dinner was it's there's like super annoying like tiktok sound that went viral it's like um <laughs> i call it girl dinner and then it's like you know a chorus of of this you know phrase being repeated and girl dinner is like when you're like too lazy or depressed to like cook an actual meal okay. and you throw together like some crackers and like sardines and like you know like I like barbecue sauce, which is like meant to be eaten as a soup or something. And it's, 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 it's like, it's, you know, like a depression meal, right? It's, it's, yeah. every, it's, it's regardless of gender. Sometimes um, the valence is sort of like low calorie, like three carrots and an almond. Right. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's all the same, same idea. I, I seen the counter example of boy dinner and it's like the Dino shaped uh, nuggies. <laughs> like 
yeah. catch up with a pack of American spirits next to us. <laughs> That's, you know. But no, the girl dinner thing is interesting. I think, like, you said this before about, like, 2010's, like, hot girl, hot mess type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, but what, I, what it comes to mind, though, and I think this does have salience with a lot of, like, very intelligent people that are involved in Milady, is that I immediately, when I read this paragraph, I thought of like the 19th century salon paramour or muse or um, various like women who were not artists themselves, but were sort of in these salons around the 19th century. Some of them involved in occultic movements or Hellenistic revival movements. Like that's that trope of the still serene borderline comatose muse is I think like way back into history more than we figure. And I, you know, that's my immediate thought. I could just be reaching, but. I don't think so. I think you're yeah. right. I mean, you, and you see it in film a lot, especially oh, yes. yeah. in like French New Wave and and a little bit of, sometimes in Italian neorealism. Oh God, yes. Oh yes. We love our comatose <laughs> women, don't we? So, it's, <laughs> um, but no, but it's true. I mean, a lot of this, I mean, even the like feminist critique in the art world of the nineties, you had like Cindy Sherman and um, who's the one that's re- is married to uh, to Carol Dunham? Uh, Laurie Simmons. Laurie Simmons. Uh, you know, where it's like domesticity yeah. is like, you know, the, the placid 50s, ca- you know, calendar pinup housewife is the source of like domestic and demure um, subjugation of her own womanhood to like being this like serene archetype of what a proper housewife is. And like, you know. She would like Laurie Simmons would do these like stage pieces where you had like the woman becomes the house and yeah it's very much like I I don't know I mean maybe it's just like Zoomers rediscovering like on you know Tumblr like rediscovering like older feminist tomes it could be that so you know I think there's a lot of that I mean I also find um, that Zoomers like they keep sort of revisiting like radical feminism. And I mean, they're obviously sort of aware, um, you know, aware of the writers, right? Yeah. Um, and they're, they're sort of like self-consciously like quoting like Andrea Dorkin and stuff. Like they, they, they I mean, millennials did this too. So I guess oh. it's not that much. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, the smart ones move on to Irigiri and uh, other <laughs> ones, but let's, let, I guess it's, <laughs> I guess it's my, t- you know, Dorkin, I mean, I, I read the scum man, a, a listener of mine, a uh, content minded listener said, you know, Gio, you should read the scum manifesto and do a review of it. Um, maybe we could do a review of the scum manifesto. That could be for, what was her name? Solanus? Valerie Solanus. Yeah. She yeah, shot, Andy, she Warhol. shot Andy Warhol. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the scum manifesto is weird. It's like a very, that's very, like, I, I read it this summer. Um, I'm just going through this weird phase. And I read it, I read it back to back with feet. Was that, did I read it somewhere? No, I read it in, for some reason when I was in Cuba, I was just going through this. I just didn't enjoy Cuba. Um, <laughs> I read the Scum Manifesto and Females and Detransition Baby in like the five days I was there. Oh my um, God. Yeah, that, that like sounds like some kind of like Marxist <laughs> radical in the 60s that would like go to Cuba to get education. And I, you know what, I like, I don't know what I was thinking while I was there, but like I left thinking like I'm gonna have to name 
when I have a child, I'm going to have to name him Ernesto. And actually maybe like Che Guevara was a good guy. I mean, and then, and then as, but as soon as I got on the plane, I was like drinking Coca-Cola and like laughing hysterically at family guy. And I just like completely forgot the whole time. <laughs> there was like, really weird. You really entered weird like late capitalism zone once again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. It's funny how like Che, I think because he became like a symbolic representation of like, empty-headed consumerist leftism with his t-shirts that i think like he doesn't like he doesn't get the based washing that someone like stalin does because like i think like like the maga communism thing is like well stalin is based because he outlawed gay marriage and it's like you know che guevara hated gay people too but he doesn't have like the same like salience as stalin yeah not to say that all maga communism is that but yeah sorry go ahead (laughs) it's it's crazy like you know, when I was there, I was thinking, like, everyone, like, you know, when I was a teen, like, everyone had the shirt, and yeah. I don't think anyone knows a thing about him. I, like, I certainly didn't until I, like, I was like, wait a minute, do I know anything about him? And <laughs> indeed, I didn't, I didn't know a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but, th- well, I think the author mentions females. I haven't read it, but I heard of it, so is, is it a good Yeah, book? so that's in the, uh, I, I, I like, I'm very like resist. Well, we'll see why I'm I'm resisting. All right, to it all right. Let me read the, the paragraph. Next... So yeah. Um, oh, so so this is a good meaty paragraph, and eventually they'll get to Milady. So, actually, let me read the two paragraphs because uh, no, maybe not because it gets into uh, you know, it gets into uh, Tukan's work, uh, preliminary materials. But so one considering that the girl is a symbolic category, unfixed from biological sex or social gender. It's perspective best articulated by Andrea Long Chu's in her 18, 2018 uh, book, Females. Long Chu updated an old school psychoanalysis, uh, psychoanalysis, sorry, psychoanalysis in which female denotes a subject form through psychological, social, and symbolic aspects rather than springing from some essential biology. Quote, the female is any psychic operation in which the self is sacrificed to make room for the desires of another, she asserts. And since everyone's desires arrives with their authorship, everyone is symbolically female. Desire for another, desire for recognition, desire for political change, desire for change within yourself, all ride in the un- and subconscious processes afloat on a raft of experience and sociocultural codes. Now, Sigmund Freud, from which a lot of psychoanalytic feminism ironically springs from would like vastly disagree with this because to freud the male is the operating future of the unconscious but that's you know neither here nor there uh take it away Catherine. i I have some thoughts on this as well but you go ahead so i mean and this is this now we get to another one of my problems with the whole piece Mm -hmm. right and you'll we're gonna see this again um later on uh it's completely untethered from biology like there's just no recognition and the piece at all that like femaleness or maleness or girlhood can have a biological embodied aspect to it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i i like and, and you don't really see this often in like any any iteration of every everyone is a girl online you you just don't see this expressed like at what point is being female about having a uterus having a menstrual cycle uh, you know, simply, and for, for anyone who's like, well, what about women on birth control? What about women who don't experience this? Like simply having 
uh, vagina. I mean, like, yeah. why, why is there never any space for it? Well, for well vastly I mean, different pleasure experience and vastly different from sure. the male sexual experience, of course, you know, um, without getting into my own personal <laughs> sex life, um, you know, it's like, yeah, there's for every man, there is sort of like when you're young, you know, there is a learning curve when, you, you know, yeah. And I think like, yeah, like, but I think to, to be fair, though, to be fair, Catherine, I think the argument is that because of living with an embodiment that is mediated by the virtual, therefore, you could say that there's a sort of feminization of discourse, but also that there's like a, a sense that gender is uncoupled from biology in very fundamental ways. But I would counterpose that with saying what you were saying is that if it is true that the internet and, and the online avatar breeds a form of androgyny, then why does it come out in like a hyper gender specificity of the young girl, right? Like, why are we still attracted to the young girl fundamentally? If we still are, if we're freed of our gender, like, and remember, this is what Humdog said with pure posting, you were free of gender. But why are we yeah. still, why do we still gravitate towards a very, very feminized picture of the subject, or rather feminine, because feminized is something different. But like, why is it that the young girl is still such a, a, a attractor, a for a strange loop attractor towards this notion of like how you create meaning, how you post, how your identity is mediated, the way in which you post? Um, it's like all of that to say that like gender is uncoupled by biology. There is sort of like. I mean, I, I mean, well, the term biospirit is like, that implies a lot of things that isn't really pertinent to our discussion. But there is sort of like an engendered spirit within there. That there, there is something to biology. I think there, there is, there is something to the uncoupling of yeah. gender and sex. Um, and, I, you know, I've made this point before about how like, you know, certain text has a vibe of femininity. Oh, and, yeah. you can, and you can almost understand you know, how people have this experience of being trans without feeling dysphoria. Like if you've ever read a post by someone and you're like, there's something about this that feels female yeah, and it's really difficult to articulate. And suddenly everything starts making sense. But I think like there's just the denial of biology ultimately leads to like the denial of like, we like young girls for the same reason we like cats. There's something like babyish about them. They look yes. the same reason we like anime girls. They look like babies, and it's and all babies look kind of girly. I mean, it's it's that, and I think it's more about age and this sort of like like stillbirth even than it is about at, like actually being female. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. There's... And in the next paragraph, I mean, I think I think it's in the next paragraph. She she makes another point where I'm like, you've gotta you've gotta just think about the human body a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe should I read the next paragraph or should you? Um, I'll I'll read the next right. paragraph. Right. Two, the girl is a consumer category that can't be delinked from capital. This stems from Takun's contentious preliminary materials for a theory of the young girl, a text that was such a horror of gender that its English language translator, Ariana Reigns, says she was repeatedly and violently ill while working on the project. Unfortunately for the rest of us, the text accurately describes reality. Turns out we're all sick for it. In 1999, Takun wrote that 
All the old figures of patriarchal authority from statesmen to bosses and cops have become young girlified. Every last one of them, even the Pope. Whoa. Takun <laughs> describes the young girl as less of a person and more of a force. She's a living currency, a war machine, and a technique of the self driven by the desire to be desired. Her state is what coheres a society that has been empty of meaning and ritual since industrialization. Young girls are beings that no longer have any intimacy with themselves, except as value, and whose every activity in every detail is directed towards self-valorization. In the post-platform age, where the base architecture of social engagement is still predicated on behavioral capture to achieve ever more accurate advertising, the subject of the young girl has not become obsolete. She has only intensified. Every ordinary person has to, in some way, pay attention to their semi-public image, even if that image is one that resists appearing on a platform. In 2012, reviewers of the translation sniffed at the cognitive dissonance of having the likes of Berlusconi cited within an otherwise girl-coded text. They have offended the thing I most hold dear, my image. <laughs> consider the proliferation of RIP memes- to a legend. <laughs> <laughs> the, consider the proliferation of memes skinning trad daddies as baby girls. Like Succession's Kendall Roy, whether he's actively having a mental breakdown or the killer his father wanted him to be, as Gita Jackson reports for Polygon. Is there nothing more 2023? I mean, here's my question. Is there anything more misogynistic, seriously, than like the, the fact that the young girl is about, you know, it has to be Veruca Salt. You know what I mean? Like a sexualized <laughs> Veruca Salt. I just don't understand. Like I love Veruca I look- Salt, by the way. I was listening to Veruca Salt before we recorded. So. No, I mean, the, I mean, literally the character from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like, oh, yeah, I want that's it right. And I want it now. Like, I just don't. When I look at a little girl, I do not think something that, de- that, that, something that demands desire. First of all, that demands desire. Second yeah. of all, that demands self-valorization. I think that's even a stretch, unless by young girl, what we really mean is the adolescent girl yes. and who's coming into her sexuality and she's pre-sexual, but right on the razor's edge. But there is something about the little girl that yeah. I think is really is the image. It's it's the teenage girl dressed as a little girl. And it's like, that's, it's, in what, like, in, like the childless millennial really goes into sharp Oh God. Anyone who has... Who has who has been exposed to children does not think oh little girl that's like a self centered cunt who needs to be uh, <laughs> public one hundred percent of the time. There's, yeah. First of all, they're they're bashful. They they're helpless in many ways. Oh yeah. They're they're curious. They're innocent. And none of none of this. And this is again like the like the divorce from biology. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's like I just don't. I, I reject this notion of young girl totally. Yeah. Well, like little girls, they could be just as like bashful and aggressive as even their young, their, their little boy counterparts as well. Like there's a sort of, at, at, at those ages, there's like an, not an androgyny, but there's sort of like, yeah, there's like their, their kids, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, I mean, of course, young girls gravitate towards things that young boys do not and vice versa. Right. But still, they do have that kiddish type of like innocence and like, but also like, you know, sort of social unawareness because they're kids, of course. But I think. And have like, you noticed that also? Yeah. You're sorry to cut you off. There's never any talk in any of th- this kind of discourse about play, 
imagination. Right. It's it's like what is go- fuck is really the question I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, like the. Oh, can you repeat it? What you said? You cut off for a bit there. Yeah, I mean, you you never okay. So you never see a discussion of play. You right. never see a discussion of imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, of of finding identity, of anything really that is typical of young girls. Right. Playing house, um, domesticity as o- can only be understood through the eyes of a child. I mean, there's just so many things where I'm like, it, what, it, does young gr- is young girl as a concept supposed to be just other thing? Mm-hmm. Or like, is it, was there a reason that we chose the phrase young girl or girlhood or I'm just a girl? Or is it like, they're just making shit up because this to me does not resonate with, with, and, and as this goes on, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I, I think it's, it's much more of a media analysis of, to, 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 you know, to, to defend Tukun. Um, did, how, how do you pronounce it? Let me, oh, I, I'm Tukun, Tukun. I don't actually Tukun, know either. Yeah. Did they Let's ever find Tukun. who Tukun is, by the way? I think Tukun is a, is actually a group of people. I don't know. Interesting. Was it French? But so it was a zine, but I think it was it I think it was like a collective. Mm. Um anyway. Interesting. Yeah. No, but but I think like so okay, for example, let's let's clarify some lingo. Living currency, war machine technique of self. So war machine in Delizingatari in a thousand plateaus denotes the sort of like operation of a smooth space as opposed to a striated space, meaning that very much like a like in in the like in the for example in war you're deterritorializing space you're going through it you're finding ways around it rather than demarcated channels of roads and various frequencies and so forth so the war machine is like the nomad it's like the nomadic feature it's the bedouin nomad as Deleuze says um and this has a lot of reverberations in like culture and even psychology and personality and, you know, techniques of the self where you adopt a sort of hesiety of like, you're differentiating yourself. That's the war machine. And of course, like the state model, which is striated space or hierarchies will approach, will like appropriate them for different uses. So he's saying like the young girl as a media image is very much like a war machine in that it like liquidates space around it. And it sort of offers, a, a, you know, it juxtaposes different things. For example, um, in aesthetics, you have like aggression or cute aggression or cuteness being something that isn't quite kitsch, but it's appealing to youth. But it's like very, it's feminine, but not really. It's like, it, it's an in-between state. I think that's what the young girl is meant to be in Takoon. And so I think like, but, but like you're saying, it is divorced from biology. Because let's face it, it's a lot of like, the adolescence of like a young a young woman like a girl becoming a young woman her first approach is for example towards male sexuality right when men look at her they're starting to change like it's a very it's a very like liminal time it's scary for a young i mean well you know you were you were a young girl at one point cat so i'm assuming i mean it's like you remember those like times of uncertainty and interactions with the other in a different way that then becomes engendered through sexuality and so forth. Um, but also like, okay, so techniques of the self driven by desire to be desired. I, I do agree with this analysis near the end to say that, you know, 
the way that we post, the way that we present ourselves can be like very preening and feminized and can sort of even have the discursive functions of it. Like, you know, there's always like the mean girls high school social template that like runs throughout all internet discourse, in my opinion. And I think that's probably sure. true. There's, I mean, I think that's partially true. But I think like a lot of the stuff about image, I think was better, like a better analogy is drag. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or the theater, you know, it, it doesn't feel, um, or like the, the diva or some, something mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. than the, than the little girl. Um, even though the imagery of the little girl is so, is so ubiquitous, but I think that's for different, different yeah. reasons. Yeah. Well, I know, like, for example, when it comes to the sexualization of neoteny, there's always, like, the debate between, like, okay, like, men have certain biological desires of young women, but then, like, of course, their critique is that that's, you know, borderline pedophilic, and, I mean, let's face it, some cases it kind of is, but, like, there's, you know, but, like, I mean, people accuse anime of this, and then we'll get in the Argo, people accuse Milady of this, uh, but I don't really yeah. think that's the case, right? I think that Neoteny can be problematic in a fetishistic context, obviously. I will grant you this. This is true, you know. But, you know, as someone who, you know, can never understand it myself, you know, I've always gravitated towards older women. But I think that, like, when it comes to the aesthetics of the internet age, there certainly is something there that Neoteny equates to the young girl, equates to the marketization of it. Because if you remember with Takoon, it's all about the sort of, like, instrumentalization of the young girl through capital. But then the young girl, of course, like, there's this weird theory cell turn where the young girl resists capital and becomes an image on her own. And it's, like, very much like um, theory Salzburgery. But, you know, it, there is something to be said of, like, the marketization. But like you were saying, it's more the teenage girl. It's not like the real little young girl. Yeah. It's like the teenage girl. Right. So, yeah. it's And even, I mean, even the not me thing i mean i think that's so much it's part of it is like protective and then i think maybe there's even and this might just be going off the deep end just making shit up at this point but i think a part of it hmm. also is like we're so atomized and we're so disconnected from one another and there's so little compassion just because we're not in communities and there's we're not intelligible to other people that you know there's something attractive again about like a baby like an attractive in the sense that you see a baby or you see like a kawaii cat or something or a milady and it's like that's cute i want to care for that and it's in an not atomized world with, like the the material right it's not sexual right. it's it's like it's it's a way to say say like we hate each other but there's something naturally attractive about the big eyes yes. you know and yeah. um all right let's well you said something go. very controversial once one of your famous tweets that you delete uh, that you've deleted. Uh, <laughs> I delete a lot of tweets as well. But uh, what did I say? You, you said that, um, like, like an anime poster gooning to her waifu to his waifu is like probably better than like, what was the comparison? You said like an anime, like someone who has a waifu is probably has a healthier sexuality than someone like who goons to pornography all day or something like that. I don't even. I that sounds <laughs> like me. I I went through a phase where I kept like caping for. Uh, men who like anime women for some i don't know i just like i was possessed i don't know what was going on oh my god, oh my god. no what did i say I, what did i you say? said Someone something like, like oh. that that a man who goons to pornography is more sexually dysfunctional 
than like a, a guy oh, who was you know an anime. Was, yeah, it was it was like something to that effect. Like I would rather no, here's what I said. I would rather my my boyfriend goon to to anime women than have like an addiction to e girls. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's yeah. a great take though. It's true. <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> I mean. Forget, forget. I, I, the, 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 the real irony is, though, is one sort of, you know, necessitates the other. Um, <laughs> well, the e girl becomes the what boyfriend. Yeah. yeah, what boyfriend, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of the, the, the secret joke. Um, anyway, uh, oh, boy. third, the girl is an inhuman category. Girls are closer to the machinic condition, says Bonia Conyor. What a, what a name. Um, an assistant professor of media theory and co-director of the AI and Culture Research Center at NYU Shanghai, who notes that the terms closer to the machine or inhuman are not necessarily derogatory. Mm -hmm. We are experiencing the inhuman or post-human version of cyber feminism or patriarchy by relegating women to the status of machines, objects, or NPCs accidentally creates an unpredictable and potent affinity between women and technology. As we are accelerating into the era of machine intelligence, this relationship is becoming more apparent and paradoxically destabilizing to the patriarchal order. She says, ideas of what is masculine and feminine are always in flux, and historically we have seen an interrelation between technological development, perceptions of the artificial, and the change of women's status in society, she adds. Whether that's artificially manipulating reproduction from the very early history of contraception or this online condition of the girl, technology and girlhood have long been connected. To survive and thrive, the girl encodes language, invents behavior, manipulates social codes, and most importantly, shares and intuits this information. As such, we can consider the girl to be a subject condition that is closer to that of collective or even superintelligence. To be clear, the girl is not an inherently emancipatory subject. As a symbolic consumer subject, she is the default condition of vulnerability that touches us all. Creatures caught in a web of total exposure, vying for both privacy and visibility. Privacy to retain some semblance of agency, visibility to access money, respect, and basic rights. To be a good girl, you have to pass muster in the, in the system of, of eyes. You have to feed cash into feminization to be both real, convincing, relatable, and not real, alluringly ideal. But again, this is the young girl as viewed through the e-girl that's maybe 30 years old. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> but, but before we analyze this passage, what's that reference? I, I never watched Secession, but what was that reference to? To who was it? I, Kendall. Kendall um, I didn't watch the, I didn't watch Secession either. Um, yeah, it, it says like Succession's Kendall Roy, whether he's actively having a mental breakdown or the killer his father wanted him to be. Hmm. For those it's Succession like, heads, maybe they could explain. <laughs> Just like gendering expectations, I think, and like gendering, um, like gendering the, the, this, like this idea that you have conflicting expectations on you or emotion, yeah. emotionality, which is also, I think like, there's nothing girl-like about that right there's nothing right. baby girl about the the conflict like that's a, i mean i, I don't know yeah <laughs> I, I i don't i haven't seen that meme either so i'm probably missing something <laughs> um but like this okay first of all it is a leap but at the same time in in like i know in like a lot of like um 
feminist theory, especially when it comes to like cyborg feminism, there is sort of like the correlation between femininity and something that is that doesn't speak or doesn't have agency, but rather is lowered to the state of machine. I mean, you know, people like Mary Beard are famous to talk about like this, about like women's place in Roman society, for instance. Um, but I think like the correlation between machinic being and, and women or young girls, that is a leap. Um, I think so too. Yeah. Cause men and can I, be I just as much that if not more. Right. Like I, and you and you also see it all it's also a trope too like i know i know there is this trope of sort of like the perfect robot chick right yeah. and you see it and there's i mean every big sci-fi movie has this and it's you know existed forever but like here i mean prometheus uh data even in star trek uh frankenstein you know it's yeah. like the monster in frankenstein like there's so many like the men the the machinic male i mean and there's probably better examples than the ones that even listed it's yeah. it, like i i don't think it's just uh it, it, it seems kind of like closed-minded but you know? i think to be fair though the critique is that male encounters with machinic being and technology that's like a hyper agency right whereas like women in that role is usually depicted as like a source of pleasure in sex and like other things. True. Yeah. And, or, or like, like somehow children. Yeah. Or subservient. Yeah. Or like, uh, who is the robot in the Jetsons? Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the, the housekeeper. But she did kind of agency cause she would always rile up George Jetson. So that's a bad example, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 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 So I get the point though, that people like, um, Haraway and Bria Dottie talk about, you know, cause they, they look at the boys club of transhumanism and like accelerationism well i mean accelerationism isn't a boys club nowadays but like let's say in the days of like the ccru like for example i will agree that people give nick land a lot of attention for obvious reasons i mean to me nick land is like probably the greatest living philosopher ever uh but you know sadie plant was part of the ccru and she doesn't get nearly enough attention as him or mark fisher or um others you know and sadie plant's a brilliant writer you know she's a like make well i was gonna say didn't she make sort of make it a point to leave the pub but then so did nick land so I yeah, guess it's not. yeah well mark fisher left because he went you know and then he he left in sort of the final way yeah as well unfortunately he came up what did, what happened he came up recently with the vampire castle i think someone referenced exiting the vampire castle it went viral again or something i think it was over, um, was it over the the russell brand thing Maybe, maybe I, I, the only, it on my radar because I saw Dasha tweet in all caps, exiting the haters castle. <laughs> maybe she was referring to somebody else rather than, than Russell Brand. But. Yeah. I maybe, maybe she was referencing herself. I don't know. Maybe, but I know it became viral of like to irony leftists and, you know, there's this weird like thing where people feel the need to like post him. Like posthumously cancel um Mark Fisher all over again. Uh which I think is absolutely disgusting. But like it's yeah, it's know. sad. I mean, these are the same let's face it, a lot of these are the same people that Oh god, not to say it, but you know, these are the same people that driven that drove him to uh, you know, his unfortunate end. But not to not to name names, but you know, <laughs> let's move on. Um no, I okay, so um, 
Bernier Conier, I think Conier, I've heard of her work before, and this is in the vein of people like Briadotti and Haraway. Um, I, I guess you could say that, but but again, like, can you say this about contemporary society that women and young girls are so denoted, like they're sort of like denatured to the point of like voicelessness to where they are just like a furniture piece the way that they were in the fifties. I, I, I don't know. It seems, I don't think so. And I, it seems it's, it's, it's definitely, I mean, and I, I don't, to be honest, I don't know if that this is what the piece is arguing either, because if we're all girls, unless the argument is that we are, we're all sort of, we're, you know, none of us have the agency. We're all framed by hypertechnics of the internet age. In other words, yeah, we all have to become the young girl. We're as weird as it sounds. I think so that's, it's, yeah. So it's this next next paragraph that I think this is the paragraph I've been waiting for. Okay, let me. Um, let me I think it's my turn. That, yeah. Yeah. So this, Sorry, this boys. is. Sorry, boys. Yeah, go ahead, Kat. Sorry, Kat. I was gonna say no. I was gonna say like this is a paragraph where I'm like with this question biology where I first wrote it down. Yeah. Or is like, um, like what. It, it and this is the problem of the whole piece is, is here this is what i've been waiting for okay oh boy um just by happenstance i landed on it so <laughs> sorry boys you're girls too <laughs> that's just that sounds like a sam hyde skit like does it not <laughs> <laughs> it does <laughs> sorry boys you're girls too what really makes up gender uh long chew rights is how you respond to becoming f- or being female living as quote male is to live in horror of ever being a girl. Uh, <laughs> not nowadays. I don't know with certain ones, but um, scrap, scrape any male-coded subreddit or Telegram group chat to find paranoias about xenoestrogens <laughs> lurking in food, clothing, and cooking equipment, or rigorous instruction on how to repress girlish instincts to induce alpha behavior. I guess they forgot to mention, like, mewing jaw and, like, looks maxing, but, you know... Waiting, <laughs> wanting the perfect build or personality anyways is textbook girl, girlified. Wanting to be seen doing it, well, even more so. You can say the per- platform determined behavior design, behavioral design with its vectors of attention capture leads to an illusion of monetary reward is simply forced feminization. To wish to be perceived, desired, and rewarded for cultivating the desire is the default setting for participating in digital culture making all of us girls on like online regardless of gender so bodybuilders like sam sulik you know he's grunting and groaning in the gym that's fundamentally girlish I think. That, that's what the right which i mean the, i, I like disagree. that guy by the way i think sam sulik is a great guy but anyways go ahead uh like first of all the like the fear of xenoestrogens right like something like that it's like well, what does that, what impact does that have on your body? Is it a fear of being feminized or is it a fear of cancer? Yeah. Or is it a fear of be feeling sluggish, of not being able to ejaculate? I mean, it's just like things that it's like, if, if she was thinking about like, there's nothing to do with alpha. It's just like, if you're a, a man who, you know, has to worry about his receipts giving him prostate cancer, I mean, that's, that just feels like that's, that's, that's not um a misogynistic fear 
Well, it's you a know? fear of infertility as well. That's another big thing. It's a fear of it's a fear of infertility, but I also think there's something even more basic. Like it like it hurts, you know, or yeah. it it's embarrassing to not be able to perform sexually. Um it's the these paranoias feel like it, it feels like some of it has to be grounded in like experience. Yeah, and also yeah. I you know, I, I I think like the xenoestrogen thing that gets taken up in like bro science and you know, right wing bodybuilders, but the reality is that there's a lot of like um you know, there's like a lot of women health people that are like bordering on like new age granola that talk about it as well. Because, you know, endocrine disruptors, if I, you know, a lot of the discourse is around like, for example, uh, you know, skyrocketing rates of skyrocketing rates of, you know, breast cancer, female infertility, yeah. ovarian cancer. Like a lot of it, you know, you can trace to like the chemicals in the food and water. And it's like, yeah. yeah. But I think but like, like the media not, image. I'm uh, well, I was just going to say, like, maybe, like, like not, like, you know, where we get our food, how our furniture is built, what's in our homes is so opaque. Yeah. And I, th- it's, I just don't think it's, if it's gendered, it's only gendered insofar as, like, um, you know, no one wants their natural state to be, to be taken from them right. without permission. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what the declining firm rates are, like, uh, gynomastica, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, uh, you know, that's, to me, that's what it's all about. It's not like, oh, you look like a little bitch. It's like, well, against my will, my body was changed and I can't fully live as myself and yeah. I'm sick and it's a fear of being sick. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's something about the obsessions of health as well. Like, you know, Bo Jared and Byung Chohan talked about that as well, but that's a different thing. I think like, you know, I mean, even like with women's health, there's like a huge space of, like I said, like granola hippie, like eat this food, do this thing to have natural pregnancy, blah, blah, blah. Like it's, I mean, there's a lot of dangers to that as well. Like let's not kid ourselves. Like there's a lot of bad yeah. advice, the whole like midwife thing. Um, but yeah, by and large, it is like, there's something there, but, but I, I think like, again, the socialization of the way that you present yourself, I would argue is kind of feminized the sort of like preening and, and curation of oneself has traditionally yeah. been like a female orientated thing. Um, so there I, is, I think that's, yeah, I think there's some truth to that. Like the, you know, like men worry about their brand just yeah. as much. Like I, I, I you, it's probably like a dated stereotype now, or maybe it's not, you know, it's like men just post whatever online. Mm-hmm. And, and now I feel like I have tons of male friends where I'll be like, yo, can you like, you know, amplify this post, and they're like, "It's well, it's not my brand." You know, yeah. I never <laughs> Sorry, got man. that. I never... <laughs> it's not my brand. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so that this is an interesting paragraph. So, if the position of girl online is involuntary, does that make all of us victims? So, again, this is probably answering your question, Cat. Haters of the girl mistake uh, gen- girlification for consumer culture itself. The admittedly well-founded paranoia that any remaining selfhood has been scraped out to make room for more ads and that any desire we experience has been routed uh, along deep grooves of persuasive marketing. This is the point of social platforms as it's been designed. Run the diagnostics on the millennial technological area to find airspace and Instagram face as easy evidence of the platform's behavioral dead ends. Nothing new was supposed to exist ever again. And I, well, I largely agree with that. RIP us supposedly, but what died? 
The airy emptiness of the platform has not, as predicted, killed off new life. The girl has only adapted to conditions that have liquidated less cunning subjects. Inside the platform trap, she goes prey mode, using intuitive knowledge of her environment, in this case, attentional vectors and performance rewards to evade complete capture. Design theorist Benedict Singleton writes that all traps are lethal parodies of prey behavior. It's that the if that's the case, then observing how the girl manipulates their design may help us slip from one of the snares. Well, I that's, mean, that is true I, of the girl. Let's face it. That is true. Also, but. so, I mean, that, that sentence and hearing it out loud takes design theorist Benedict Singleton writes that all are lethal parodies would take some new residents hearing it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> not to, not to go there. <laughs> but, <laughs> <I just> want... <laughs> but no, but I mean, the girl has become like ascendant on the internet at the age of social media, whereas like forum culture or, you know, Usenet, like this, this couldn't have been possible. Like when, like as the internet enabled the posting of face, then you have the ascendancy of the young girl. Yeah. Yeah. That, this, that I do, I do agree with. Yeah. Right. Because they're just, they're, it's the prettier to look at, but you know, that being said with Instagram face also comes meme accounts, you yeah. know, comes the Anon. It's, it's an author, a non as an author that didn't exist in quite the same way. Exactly. Yeah. Well, but for those who don't know, what is Instagram face? Instagram face is like a, um, ethnically ambiguous, uh, like look, right. Or like aesthetic, um, that Gia Tolentino noticed that a lot of women were taking on. It's, you know, like big lips, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure like wide set almond shaped eyes, flat nose um and it was like largely brought on by fillers and plastic surgery but also it looked really good in a selfie yeah but it also has like latinized and africanized uh, facial features it's and it's, it's kind of it's you know it's like a brass doll that's yeah it has some gnotany to it yeah it's pure neoliberal kitsch um, really um <laughs> buy my book when it comes up buy my book when it comes out um <laughs> but no, it's true because the fact that there is like a racial ambiguity to it. I mean, I know like, listen, I know this is like a rightist argument, but like the fact that there is a racial ambiguity to it denotes that like the baddie phenomenon of the millennial Instagrammer, um, there is definitely something to it. It is definitely like within the purview of what life in the 21st century in like North America in particular denotes, right? There is, but then again, it's like, I know, like, uh, in right-wing circles, the meme is, like, the... Again, don't research, don't research, but the the, the Ebola essay on America, that's, you know... And people call it Lizification, Lizoification. It's, like, you know, again, don't research, don't research. But, like, yeah, there definitely is, like... It, it comes out of, like, the multicultural millennial experience that really does, like that really does change our perception of beauty. Um, which, you know, I mean, but then again, you do have like, it's interesting when you look at like trad circles or cottage core or whatever, like it's as much as they want, like the blonde wheat field, there is a lot of like that influence in there. Like, especially I mean, in Catholic what's, circles. What's interesting too, though, is like, you know, I used to say that like, and this was before Instagram face that like internet beauty is 
a white woman who's trying to look like an Asian woman who's trying to look like a white woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, I actually think that's like sort of an extension of that because it's, it, it's, it really, it seems ethnically ambiguous, but I actually think it's, it's Nyatni, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you want, like I said, it's, it's flat nose. It's a butt, flat button nose, big eyes, sometimes big lips. Um, but it's, it's really about a baby face. And that just happens to be more common in um, black, Latin, and Asian women than what it is like than it is white women of longer faces. Yeah, but also it's like the, the I, and it comes from anime the sort of like a hago face that it's like the innocent face that becomes sexualized. Yeah, and, yeah, and I think like when you talk about like those NPC streamers, that's a lot of it is like, especially that one, the fairy one, the the original video, yeah, that went viral um that was yeah that was kind of disturbing but like <laughs> um then the black then the african-american one that did it, she got a lot of like um she got a lot of criticism from black twitter from for conforming to the aesthetics of like what white and asian women like which is yeah. very interesting you know it's like she wasn't authentically that but she was adopting but she kind of is though she's authentically a creature of the internet so it you know it, yeah. Without getting too much into racial politics, maybe we should move on. But yeah. Um, okay, so I'm gonna read the next two, two paragraphs. Uh, in 1999, Takun wrote of the persistent desire to empty or delete one's physical form as the angel complex. In 2018, Andrea Longchu lingered on the popular popularization of the bimbofication fetish as a fantasy that evacuates will. In 2019. Konyor identified that such angelic dissolution can be achieved with machines, not an absence of them. None of these states emerge from a victim position. It's a rookie move to mistake tactical passivity for a surrender of agency. Even if the end game were ultimately annihilating or thrillingly unpredictable, these states are chosen, not imposed. Recently, some popular accounts at Chloe21E8, at Little Queer Pill, and at Heartlocket XO are personal favorites though it's more useful to read these as nodes in a swarm rather than the products of any one mind, have struck a collective nerd with their embodiment of an ever-shifting mass voice that is ecstatic, girl-coded, and unknowable. I'm so mentally stable, it's insane. I have BPD, beautiful princess disorder. I'm so queer-pilled, I can see through the matrix. I'm not left-wing or right-wing. I have angel wings that grow whenever I transcend into space. Goes the swarm thinking that has transcended format, individual creator, and platform to become viral TikTok audios, million view reels, grime citations, and beautiful princess Bible verses carved into my brainstem like lover's initials in a tree trunk. Some of these creators have landed in hot water for controversial posting. Their disinterested defense has been that they are simply regurgitating total information, as if they're role-playing early chat bots run on dirty data sets like Microsoft's swiftly lobotomized Tay. Many are boosted by associations with crypto schemes like Remelia and BRG. Suspect, maybe. A girl's gotta eat. Wow. Well, it's funny how she's named Little Clear Pill. We know what that's a reference to. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, Curtis Yarvin. So, I think, like, is this article, did you, like, um, did you detect sort of like a purposeful obfuscation of the I, politics honestly, of Milady or no? I think 
that the author honestly doesn't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, do you think there's, do you think that there's like a, a story here sort of underneath what's written? No, I just think that maybe um, there there's sort of been, not by necessity, but, you know, again, I, I would want to interview some of my friends who are like milady people who are involved. Um, but what I think is that there is a conscious separation between what Maya the poster was and what like Charlotte Fang and Milady and Romelia Corporation is. Or at least, like, I mean, maybe, I mean, again, a cynical interpretation would be that, oh, they're doing this because that's an evil Nazi stuff, and therefore, like, they have to separate it to make money. I don't think that's true. I think that it, it's more of, like, a reimagining of it as, like, an NFT art project rather than being wetted down by, which, I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I mean, you know, like, again, like we say, not that we endorse a lot of things, but Milady was a brilliant poster. That's that's the truth of it. You look at the archive. Yeah. But I think, like, when I see Milady, I don't think of, like, I mean, unless you know the lore, like, I don't think of, like, Scythian yeah. race science or whatever. I think of, like, the art project side of Milady. So I think, like, yeah, there probably is. But then would it be disingenuous as a journalist to not frame it in the light of what Maya or Sonia or whatever was? I don't know because I think like a lot of Milady like there's I mean, I, 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 yeah go ahead Kate. it is a different project and it, it Milady, yeah. Milady has grown so I it's just I I've seen it I, I see it as it's you have to know the lore on one hand but yes. also it's grown it's transcended that it's grown so far beyond it I also think that there probably wasn't room in the piece to really get into it yeah um I do think that. I do think that there, there could have been a line beyond, oh, you know, there's a problematic element or something. I was going to get to like, that, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, where there's like, there, there is, like, I, I don't even really know that the stuff is right wing. It's right wing coded, and I think right. that there's space. There's a, there's a sentence or two to say like, because you know, you know, because it's um they, there's something about it that's like heterodox or like goes against like the mainstream narrative there's it's yeah. become right-wing coded right well even the and embrace it's, it's, of spirituality as well as another source of right that. and it's it's a it's a the sort of like ironic adoption of like being clear-pilled is sort of like a wink that it's like countercultural and all counterculture is right-wing right now even if right. it's not really right-wing exactly yeah, to not to wink and nod towards it, to have like e girls that have like, not that like well, I mean, well, there is some e girls that will like have spinny wheels, but like, yeah, you know, yeah, like there's like the you know, <laughs> there's like the face like the MySpace blinky aesthetic mixed with like, you know, Tumblr angels and dolphins and there's a lot of different like coll the collage is interesting aesthetically, but you know when it comes to the lore of it, I mean. Like I was like I was gonna say, but you you know you said it pretty pretty good. Like there, okay. What I was gonna say is that there could be a way to write about in a journalistic and objective sociological manner the origins and aesthetics of Milady that doesn't descend into like typical like left liberal millennial writing of like call out and like oh by the way did you know that that was invented by a Nazi? It's like that fucking Philion video about. 
Bored Ape. Sorry to sorry to name names, but like it's like, you know, did you know that Bored Ape was invented by a Jewish Nazi? It's like, well, okay, like it's maybe there's a wink wink and nod nod there. But like that being said, you know, at the end of the day, can you say that an art project that becomes an NFT is like a propaganda vehicle? Like it's not like Miladies or Bored Apes are fucking National Justice Party recruitment videos or like Patriot Front or whatever. Like it's like ridiculous. It's like it's an art project at the end of the day like you can acknowledge it in such a way that doesn't have the sort of moral panic of a lot of journalism that came out of the 2010s. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I, I think, I also think that there's this denial that, you know, this video of tweets are deleted. Uh, You know, if the, if the left, if the leftist thinks everyone is a, is a Nazi, I think nobody is a Nazi. Right. I mean, I can think of, two people who I really believe are national socialists. Oh, yeah. I can think of maybe five who I genuinely believe are racist and everyone else is playing with the aesthetics. Right. Right. I mean, it depends when you're in enough group chats, then you can, like, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, 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 I'm handing it up for the show, but I just, it just seems like, like how many of these people are like the, like, I, I felt for Nate Hawkman because I mean, does what does the sun and rod really mean anymore? I mean, yeah. I don't like it's it's a countercultural wink, and yeah, maybe he was that dumb, right? Like yeah. you see it enough times, and you're like, this, what is this really? This is like a hyperborean <laughs> edit that comes out of the 2010s. It comes out of 2016. Yeah, it's like yeah, and I actually yeah. think it's it's irresponsible to say that it carries the weight that it would have even. 10 years ago right well I mean, because i think that's part of the and that's part of the context that it just doesn't mean anything anymore and maybe that that is a bigger problem than people using it right yeah like because nate hawkman he was clearly like ripping off a biggie slonk at it or like yeah. a new telly at it it's like he's making it for desantis instead of trump it's like he put this video in. um no but like it, it this is classic like antifa tactics where it's like they'll make a threat about you and they'll say like you know, you're associated with this person, you're associated with, you use the sunny wheel, and therefore it's like a, like, moral contagion that they have to, like, coordinate. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Nick Nick Hotman, isn't he, like, um... Who knows what happened to him? No, no, but, like, he's, he's Jewish. Jewish? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he's, I think he's Jewish. That doesn't, that doesn't matter to people No, of course it doesn't matter anymore, yeah. I mean, this is, this, I, I got in big trouble for saying this, where it's like... I remember this, yeah. Uh, where I was, I was like, look, my criticism of, uh, of a lot of people is not that they're racist, it's that they're not, and now it's that, it, it, and not that I want people to be racist, but it's like, why, why are we using stuff in this countercultural way? It should, like, use it if you want it to have its potency and, and its meaning and to make a statement. Don't just keep hashing this shit out and, and making it in this meaningless slot because now it's like, now you can almost understand people's confusion because now it's like, well, everything is anything. And it's, it's like a dissolution yeah. of labels. And I, it's, look, I I'm saying it now and not writing it. And it's a weird argument to make. Maybe it's actually a good thing in the end for not for everything to be robbed of its potency. But I happen to think that um, if a woman is a woman, a sun and red is a sun and red, 
you know, let's, 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 there's a place for everything. everything. <laughs> there's a place for everything <laughs> under heaven, <laughs> including this mini wheel. So, <laughs> hot take by Catherine D. Um, <laughs> but no, I do think. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's actually a weird take. I, I, you know what? I kind of understand why people were like, you pissed off leftists and like legit, like national socialists with that take. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, like, look. Yeah, I because when I, if someone uses a swastika, I want is I want to know are they a Nazi or are they just like some bitch who needs attention? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, I just want to know what shit means. <laughs> like, there's e girls in like the 2010s, like terror wave mask with like the seed skull mask, and she's got her tits out, and it's like yeah, I'm like oh, she's just horny, you know? Like, yeah. Like, she Whatever. wants BWC at the end of the Oh my god, I said the BWC. <laughs> Shout out to Nightmare Vision. Um, but anyways, no, but I think like when you said like about when it becomes a mere aesthetic signifier, like this is sort of and I write about this in my book, like it's this is like the problem with a lot of like post-tumblr culture in that it gets shredded of context and then it gets collaged. Like, for example, like one thing I will agree with this article is that um as soon as something becomes an aesthetic signifier in the hands of an e-girl to use as like a kitschy and cutesy type of thing, then that becomes robbed of its power. I'm sorry, fellas. Listen, I, uh, friends, you know, I'm sorry to my friends, but like, as soon as like an e-girl has like a, you know, a, a picture with her tits out and she's got the spinning wheel in the background, it's kind of over. Like, it's kind of, not it's over, but like, yeah, internet mean, racism and kind and of the- reaches a crescendo when the e-girl gets to it. I hate to say it, but and you know. I look, I agree, and I think like there, you know, there was there was a time where it's like, because you even see a backlash to that among women. And this is really getting in the weeds of like weird internet culture, but like you see a backlash to the insincere internet racism with the race femme who is like, look, I've been here since you know 20 2013 or 2007 or or what have you yeah this is the only culture i've ever known what it's like are you gonna throw a roman or not and i kind of you know i don't <laughs> i just want to make it clear i don't endorse this as these aren't my beliefs but as someone who is so finicky about labels and i'm such a unrepentant autistic nerd yeah. I kind i get the impulse of like um we were here first and nobody fucking liked us and they still don't like us. And now it's like, what are you doing? What, yeah. who the fuck do you think you are? It's, I mean, it's it really what it is. And I saw someone actually, this was like a criticism of me that I, I, I saw where it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's the new fan versus the old fan. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's in a way that, that it, someone was like, that's just the way her autistic mind sees every conflict. And kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the geeky gay kid, like, oh, well, did you read the comic books? No. Well, the- <laughs> did you read the manga? You didn't fucking read the manga. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's like the e-girl, like the young e-girl that like flirts with the aesthetics of anime or well, online racism, whatever. Then you have like the older grizzled. Like I've actually lived this. I am, I am like yeah. a Fujoshi fan or whatever. Like it's or even like you know you just you have someone who's just like they they like married some dude in two thousand seven from like a racist blog spot. They have yeah. six kids. They don't want. They they had the TRS podcast and now you know it's like now they're they like. You ain't leaving that if you're in 2023. That's that's who you are at a certain point. Oh my god! 
And then you just see like the young e girl just snatch it from you because you know. And then like make like in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars off it, and like yeah. you have to work at fucking Party City because you were. Anyway, it's now we're, I'm writing fan fiction. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god! Yeah, exactly. So it's like you know you're you're pretty much wedded to that, but it's like, it, yeah, it is like new. It can be new fan versus old fan, but like. There is there is a point where people pay for what their fringe ideology is, and there's other people that appropriate the aesthetics of it and that sort of hint towards it, but don't commit to it, and it and then it becomes like this note of where you're boiling everything down to a mere aesthetic signifier that doesn't carry with it the weight of like legitimate political activism. Because like a lot of the Z girls, like I don't think Little Clear Pill is like reading unqualified resume. Maybe she is. She actually, I was browsing her Twitter. She does appear pretty smart you know maybe she is reading unqualified reservation blogs from 2007 but the vast majority of e-girls that may like have like a an appeal to heaven um flag because they saw mike ma use it like they don't know the history or context and not to like yeah. discount young girls but i'm saying like even guys even like young posters they don't know that like i'm an old head right like i know the lore but you know maybe that's and, yeah. you know, I'll also say this. I think a lot of the, the women who are sincere do know the lore, even if they're relatively new. Yeah. They don't actually read as women. Um, and I, I don't want to oh, mention yeah. their name, but there's one poster who immediately comes to mind where people who are friends with, with her know she knows. And I'm, I certainly am not, but knows she's a woman. But her posting style at first glance, you're like, well, this is a sensitive young man. Yeah. And it's because she doesn't she she must feel an affinity towards the culture and these are her beliefs or if not her beliefs a genuine form of communication for her not currency into yeah. a subculture where she thinks she can get clout yeah yeah like i i know i, I know a woman who's like that who used to be an anon poster and like nobody yeah. clocked her as being a woman but you know tom uh, is 777 um and this is probably the only time that i'll ever uh, uh quote him right but i mean this is actually a point he's made in the past where it's like you know, when, when he talks about his early, and for listeners who don't know who that is, Thomas 777 is a, as a, a Holocaust denialist or historical revisionist, um, you know, whichever phrase you prefer, um, who is a sort of an internet meme. He's a, nat, he's a self-identified national socialist. And he also, um, he's been online forever. He's been online yeah. since the nineties and he, and he speaks prolifically about it. And for people who are interested in internet history is actually a very valuable uh, resource, even though his beliefs are a little bit off the, a lot off the- But he is very knowledgeable in historical (laughs) indigenous literature as well. Yeah. Um, And, you know, his, he, he has this point where he's like, when you were in news groups or later on, on forums, it's not that there were no women. It's that women do not post as women because they're there for the content. Yeah. And unfortunately that's just the tax of the internet, especially at that time. And I think that's a really interesting point because you see it echoed um, in a lot of, a lot of writing about the, the early internet. And let's face it. A lot of those women, they may have, may have had some form of neurodivergency as well that led them towards yeah. masculinization. So yeah. 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 Um, but <laughs> no, but exactly. I think like the, the engendered nature of the internet and the age of the face is much different than the early internet. But nowadays, I mean, even like, even like, like I, I do admit this article does make a lot of sweeping assumptions. Like one of them being that 
men are afraid. I mean, a certain form of man, like the Andrew Tates of the world, like they are sort of like afraid to like show an animus, an anima side. And like, you know, you always have to appear ultra masculine, but then there's also like, like you were saying, like the femme boy and like things like that, that are part of not necessarily queer culture. They still have sex with women, but I mean, there was always like in youth culture, there was always gendered ambiguity towards like men of particular persuasion, like, you know, glam metal had this, the emo culture had this, you know, where it's like you had better makeup than your girlfriend, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, this is a perennial reality, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I, I think you could even argue like in the fifties, this you were seeing I, in the twenties, oh, yeah. certainly, it, you know, I, as, as soon as I give a year, I can think of an early, even an earlier example of androgyny. I mean, it's definitely, oh, yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how far back it goes, but you definitely see it throughout the 20th century. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Who slayed more pussy? Um, Jenny Lane from, from, uh, from what was a warrant or, um, you know, cherry pie. Yeah. Yeah. Like who slayed more pussy, Jenny Lane or Carrie King from Slayer. I mean, there's no comparison. Let's, let's face it. Like it's you know, as much as I love Slayer. Um, I don't particularly like Carrie King. I'm more of a Jeff Hanneman man. But you know, let's face, let's be, let's be real here. Like there were guys that wore better makeup than women, and they yeah, I mean David came Bowie, off as the... David Bowie, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Mick Jagger, even who is had a very feminine sort of yeah way about him. Uh, all right, so we have four more paragraphs of this. We are hitting the two hour mark, so I think let's do two paragraphs and then two paragraphs. Yeah, I think uh, okay. So who's up next? I'll, I'll just jump in All right. and see. Um, okay. If dissolving into a nameless swarm sounds terrifying, don't be scared, baby girl. It has been happening to some of us for a long time now. Whether Chinese Olympic athletes are branded as robots or Chinese students or tourists are likened to swarms or Shenzhen factory workers are criticized for flooding the marketplace, the subtext is the same. It is the dehumanization of the individual into a nameless, faceless mass. Writes the artist Lawrence Leck in his project Sinofuturism. On the Anglosphere internet, many of these girl swarm accounts appropriate video and images of beautiful girls from Zhao Hongshu to distribute their message, whatever the intention. And to be true to the spirit of these accounts, I will disregard their authorship. This swarm behavior replicates cyberpunk tropes, where the Asian girl bot is infinitely replicable, unknowable, ultra smooth, and regulated. Her motives obscure and her body unkillable because it is everywhere. Jin Wang in the forthcoming anthology, Machine Decision is Not Final, writes of an analogous behavior on the Chinese language internet where users role play as bots in order to feign a sense of machine-induced objectivity and randomness, hence escaping the liabilities of and political consequences that would be activated by a concession of, huge, of human agency. In her concept of machine envy, she proposes that advanced technology doesn't necessarily embody the all too familiar tropes of servitude or existential threat, but rather presents a viable aspirational model of how to be. Artificiality not only feels more desirable, but also more tangible than the real. Clearly how we think of futuristic subjectivity has not yet been delaminated from how we have historically conceived of the future. The Asian girl specifically appears as the most perfect escape vehicle from Western individualism and its woes. Crucially, she does not lose the magnetism of girlhood to be desired infinitely and especially, nor its tactical usefulness. Zhao Hongshu girls 
in the real world provide an almost undirectional source of inspiration for fashion and beauty on crossover platforms like TikTok and now Instagram, dosing Euro-American users too with the realism about economic power and how it's changing. In the sticky hands of Anglosphere platforms avant-garde, the Asian Girlbot is a beautiful threat to an already dying world order posed by both AI and China, metabolized and neutralized by girlishness. So cute. Uh, I'll do the next paragraph too. It, it may well work in our favor to accelerate our way into total girl. That is to consider the girl as a specific technology of subjectivity that maxes out on desire, attraction, replication, and cunning to achieve specific ends and to use such technology to access something once unknowable about ourselves rather than for simple capital gains. Blowing a kiss at individually scaled pleasures while giving voice to the egregore, the totality of not just information, but experience, affect, and emotion. All right, this, Wow. Uh, I'm just gonna jump in immediately and say, this is maybe the most interesting part of the, the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, she's talking about, I think, right? She's well, talking about- political as well, so. Yeah, these accounts that just have all these like random Asian women and it, they're mood boards, really. Yeah. And it's not about authorship. It's not about the individual. And this is a different thing than what she's been discussing in the entire article. And, th- and I think this is more more interesting and I think would have been a better piece. Like, what is this? And you you see an analogy to this in these, um, you, there's a lot of Twitter and even existing today, like Tumblr accounts that just post women. Yeah. And it's like, give the illusion that whoever is running the account is hot, but it's just like random hot women and they're all different women and it actually works. Yeah. Um, there are some that are random chubby women plus size models. Not that I would know, <laughs> not that I would know about Tumblr. But <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, it's, and it's, it's all, but it's all about cultivating the vibe. Yeah. And, it, and I don't think that's the same thing as the rest of the rest of this piece. Yeah. Don't go to Tumblr right now and, and do the, uh, the, 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 the hashtag on uh, curvy is beautiful. <laughs> um, but do not research. Um, but anyways, yeah. But I think like a criticism would be like, like immediately, like any leftist analysis would say that this is like incredibly exoticist. Like this is exoticism per excellence. Like this is like, yeah. oh, this is oriental orientalism. Yeah. This like, is like volume to 11. Exactly. This is like pure Orientalism as it meets futurism. So you have like the aesthetic image of the perfect forever young Asian, specifically Chinese or Japanese woman. Um, and you also have on the back end, the geopolitical assumptions of the, the sort of like arms race between the West and China or the BRIC nations when it comes to AI. So you have like all of these considerations you have, you know, Nick Land uh, you know, the Neo-China thing is, I know it's a meme now, but like, let's say that technology uninhibited by liberal technics that embraces sort of like a pure form of like state-mandated materialism. But now apply that to aesthetics. Now, I argue in my book that I'm going to come out with that actually, you know, kitsch is sort of like state-mandated managerialism in an aesthetic way. But in this case, you have like the beauty of the young girl seen through the orientalist eyes of China. And it's very fascinating, but it's very powerful. Like, I mean, there's, I l- listen, I don't want to, we got into a lot of hairy territory this, this episode, but let's say <laughs> that a lot of trans women have this like 
fixation of the aesthetics of my perfect girlfriend a lot of it's like this demure anime but also like kind of like chinese orientalist version of like this is the hot cool girl that i want to be that's exotic and exciting and forever young um even though you're a 30 year old programmer um you know reddit moderator but you know it's like <laughs> there there is something to this thesis now i would say that yeah le- a leftist or like you know a, a a, a reconstituted feminist critique would say that yes this is orientalism essentially meaning like misogynistic standards of china i mean let's face it china is still like a kind of an incredibly misogynistic society by our standards right so um and you know so i think like but there is something to it at the end of it this is the ambiguity of this type of writing is that there there definitely is something there and even if you just say that there's a vibe towards it Right. So let's let's look at this one example. I think we skipped over some of the previous paragraph that said about like uh, that mentioned Milady and these e-girls and Grimes. And uh, do you think Grimes is in this aesthetic category of, of like embracing Orientalist aesthetics or is she more of like the hard like Y2K futurism thing? I think she she's curious. She tries. Yeah. Um, and I think I you know people forget that Grimes was before Grimes was Grimes, she was a Tumblr celebrity. That's right. Yeah, and she was she was part of a you know her Hari Neff. There's a there's a bunch of people who, I think Azalea Banks. They were all Tumblr celebrities first. Oh yeah. Um, so I think like you know, knowingly or not, she helped lay the foundation for yeah. a lot of this coalescing. And her aesthetic is almost like alien like. It almost like she reminds me yeah. of like. Uh, like a techno futurist version of a Chavanet painting, right? It's like, it's, she has that like ethereal, you know, look, I mean, which is pretty good. Like for having three kids with Elon Musk, does she have three kids? I Ale- think so. Yeah. I mean, she's, I, I've met her a couple of times. Um, and she, I mean, she like, she looks great. She oh, yeah. looks, she's, she's beautiful. Did you see the debate? No, <laughs> uh, I can't wait for it to come out. Um, I know Ella thought that Grimes and what's her name, um, the ex-Muslim, Sarah Hader, Sarah Hader, yeah, that they won. But like, I don't know. I think like, I, to tell you the truth, like I could kind of see them winning because like, I mean, Louise, I, I love, I, you know, just because Louise Perry is a friend of mine. Yeah. Um. So I sort of, I'm just like out of the gate, I'm biased. Um, but I think like she's but, overshadowed by Anna. That's the problem. She was overshadowed well, by yeah, Anna. Well, yeah. Well, the point I was going to make, and, you know, I, I mean this as sort of neutrally as possible. Louise is, is, first of all, Louise knows this topic better than any, probably better than anyone on the stage. Yeah. Even though I think Sarah Hader is a, is a very educated woman, but. She's, so she has a book on it. One, she's ri- she's been writing about it for years. Yep. She's she's a very persuasive speaker and she's very well practiced. And I think that Anna's and I didn't listen to it, but I think that Anna was probably more Camille Paglia than uh, Louise Perry's more like conservative Susan um, Sontag. <laughs> so I feel like it would be. I feel like they probably accidentally contradicted each other by arguing the same thing from different angles yeah yeah i'm curious to you know out of all the ones i'm curious of would probably be grimes which you would argue um yeah because I, I i don't really i mean she's i i feel like she's very like transhumanist yeah 
Um, and she's, I, I think she's a leftist. Oh yeah. Also. I mean, she flirts with reactionary ideas, but that's just like Elon flirts with reactionary ideas. It's like the same. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it's so funny that people, I mean, I know Elon's been reply guy in Keith Woods, but like, He's, I, I feel like he's, he's like a Jordan Peterson he's liberal. He's a centrist, yeah, he's a lib, yeah. Yeah. He's like a classical liberal <laughs> transhumanist, that's what he is. Here, here's my question. How did Keith Woods get on Elon Musk's route? Because Keith isn't really that big. He is, though. I mean, he, he's, he isn't big in a sense of, like, say, Jordan Peterson, but I think he's very conscious of what he puts out. He's very measured. And he's very, yeah. his style is very to the point. Um, like me, I could never be Heath Woods because I'm too all over the place, flights of fancy. Um, I'm too theory sellish. He is also theory sell, but he like he's done the heroic task of reining in his theory seldom to make it cohesive, which I mean I try to do. I have moments of that, but I'm too like all over the place. Um, but he I is mean, like, yeah. You know, Ian Miles Chong though I get because I feel like he just sort of inserts himself, but like yeah, Keith Woods, it, it, it just feels like I just was. I just feels random. I don't know. Hmm. It it does, but it doesn't. I think like he's you know he's he's cultivated. He's 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 honed in the message to have yeah. no excesses of any like not ambiguity, but like he's he's very like he's measured in his approach. So I admire him for that. I think like Keith Woods, he's done something that I try to do, but I can't, which is to rein in the theory seldom to make it applicable and easily digested for a lot of people. So he's, you know, he's certain, I mean, well, I mean, comparing him to Ian Chungus, there's no comparison, God. I mean, <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, I think like there, there, it is a weird mix up. I mean, Elon is taking an optics hit like any like and there's you know there's antifa accounts that be like well you know did you know Keith Woods is a neo nazi right and it's like i think elon is at a position where he probably doesn't care like he is basically yeah. just a classical liberal and like a guy that like talks to Keith Woods is also talking to Benjamin Netanyahu i mean only in this century could this happen you know <laughs> like yeah. the richest guy in the world you know um so yeah like, we live in interesting times i feel like that's probably the the, the vibe shift is like living to be cursed and living to, again, the Sino futurism thing. We're cursed to live in interesting times. We're living in the age of the Chinese girl, the white, the white guy pretending to be a Chinese woman, pretending to be a white girl. That's what we're living in. That's the age that we're yeah. living in. So that's, that's an episode title. <laughs> there, yeah, there, there you go. There you go. Um, so last paragraph, um, the total girl's guide to survival would include how to perfect your exterior representation and diffuse it until it's everywhere. And until you can live well inside the space shield, shielded by your own image. Uh, Shodan, anyone from, from System Shock? Um, how to take your pleasure in the image, in the content, while unhooking its power over life and how to, realistic, how to be realistic about illusion so that you can license the real to take root behind its purview, in its lee. Applying a cyber-feminist lens, the girl gives us a model for a living that goes through, rather than around, the legacy condition of surveillance capitalism, platform capitalism, or simply late liberal or, well, neoliberal capitalism, which, as we have come to understand, has been fundamentally broken in spite of the claiming intervening solution, uh, inventive solution, dis dissatisfying in spite of its designs for immediate and convenient satisfaction 
and present presently mutating into something un unnameable and worse what would happen if we muted first or sorry if we mutated first the total girl is far from emancipatory that is the job of real political strategy which must finally be separated from reductive questions of visibility and representation. She will simply show us how to move within the trap until we can achieve the correct conditions for escape. The ambivalence can be freeing. Now, I think that there's something to this. Now, you could flesh out the political implications of it to say what does... And again, ironically enough, this is what Michel Foucault was getting at. But, you know, critical theorists, they sort of like lost that bit when he talked about the techniques of the self you know, near the end of his life. Um, you know, where you sort of like reinvent yourself as a work of art and by doing so, there's this form of imperceptibility to not lowering everything into a molar identity construct as someone like, you know, Deleuze Guattari would say. So I think like there's something to the young girl being a market-orientated template of consumption, especially of identity, especially of like, you know, cutesy, kitschy things. But at the same time, also escaping that into a sort of like online being that I think like even like you know it's funny you mentioned Grimes because I think like Grimes is trying to do that with her work the music videos and with the sort of obsessions with technology and transhumanism of like what does it mean to be embodied within virtual space as an artist but also as like someone who is acutely aware of the problems with identity constructs that have plagued us from the you know, 20th century onwards in the post-war period. So that's a huge long ramble, but go ahead, Catherine. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I agree with you. I, but it's I, impossible. I see... It's impossible. Let's face it. It's impossible. But you know. I, I think this, I mean, I think this last, almost last line is she simply shows us how to move with the trap until we can achieve the correct conditions for escape. The ambivalence can be freeing. I, I wish that this is what the piece really focused on. And I wish yeah. that, you know, the, I wish she got into these like um, collage accounts more yeah. and about the ways in which those accounts both make you an object of desire while totally like obfuscating your individuality. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I think to, to, to name names, I mean, I think like the account tw on Twitter, Schizodove does this. I'm oh sure yeah, she has, yeah. I'm sure she has an alt where people know what she actually looks like. But the whole account is a mood board of of desire. Yeah. Um, you don't really know anything about this woman. You just know she's a woman. Is it just and, at Schizodove? Yeah, I think, and it might be spelled weird or something. Um, oh yeah, Schizodove. Okay. Right, and it's and it's it's an you know it's an interesting and there's she lots is of always by the way I don't mean to call her out. But she is always in the most virulently racist Twitter spaces <laughs> that I even listen to on my lurker all. So it's like really, I, she she's yeah. she's had me blocked for like four years. I've you know I, I follow her from one of my my twenty four alts. Um, but, but I mean, <laughs> she, she, I think she's a, like a really interesting account. Um, oh yeah, and she is. and if you if you sort of like took an account like that and then you you thought about like how miladies work. I, like, I feel like this piece brought up a lot of really interesting things, but just like missed it somehow. And it might've just been the editing. Cause I'm sure wired has, yeah. cause it's a very, it's, it's not a very wired essay, honestly, no. like not even old wired. Um, I'm surprised it got published, not because it's bad, but because it's just, it isn't for a general audience. Yeah. 
And I, I, I almost wish that, um, I wish that they either gave her more space mm-hmm. or they made her dumb it down in a way, because I think like, oh, there's a lot of interesting threads that, that get lost. You have to know the critical theory reference. You have to know like the different like post-structuralist references and, you know, yeah. and I think like the, the thinking behind a lot of these assumptions needs to be explicated, but also like the end about mitzvah politics. I mean, that's always like a nod and a shadow and it's very hard to determine like even the politics of the e-girl, it's like it's very hard to determine because a lot of it's just the image itself. Like like there's leftist e-girls, I'm assuming, right? So like there's Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. So it's like there's like only oh, the Twitch streamers. There you go. Um do like do you remember that one it was so millennial coded. There was like the woman with like the millennial pink pastel and she had the heart shirt, or was it some dolphin or something, where she's like everything sucks the government hates us the aliens aren't visiting us and it's like i think it was the same one that freaked out because someone like gave her a dollar donation or something i don't know but it's like that sort of like bread tube adjacent twitch streamer girl that adopts like a lot of like tumblr aesthetics but it's also like we're gonna learn about socialism while playing uh you know playing uh league of legends or whatever you know it's yeah yeah, so it's very much like, have you heard of Kropotkin? And it's like, you know, um, so I think like, yeah, there there definitely is a complication there. But in terms of like the escape of identity, I mean, in a way, the internet promised us this, but as the 2010s has taught us anything, is that, you know, you can't really escape from the, the issues of identity whatsoever. And it's like, it's always there. And I think even the 2020s now, people thought COVID was going to be like, as soon as we exited covid the covidian era there's gonna be like the end of identity politics and it's gonna be the vibe shift but if anything it's become you know it's gotten worse than than i don't know no no i think like we things got things had to get worse for them to get better yeah i think i think things are there's definitely a vibe shift underway but Mm. um maybe we save that for the for the next one sure yeah so yeah, this has been great. Um, scarcely only talked about Milady Makers a, li- a few times, but I guess like. No, I think we got into it. We yeah. talked about it for like 20 minutes. So.